Hello, friends. What the fuck is going on? How you doing? I got some comedy dates coming up. The Verizon Wireless Theater this Friday, May 12th, almost sold out um, and is in Grand Prairie right outside of Dallas, Texas. Um, And then the next one is July 7th at the Ka Theater at the MGM Grand Um, I got some other stuff that's going to be happening in between then that has not been announced yet and will be announced next week. Um, I'm, I'm doing a tour, an actual tour. Ooh, that's what they call it. It's just, it's just fucking comedy. Uh, JoeRogan.net forward slash tour for all that jazz folks. Hey, um, mom's day is coming up. Oh shit. So that means one, 800 flowers. Make mom smile. Come on. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com right now. 1-800-Flowers is giving listeners this podcast an exclusive 24 for 24 offer. 24 multicolored roses for 24 bucks. It's only a dollar a rose. Simply, simply pick your delivery date and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. A bright and beautiful mix of premium roses in a rainbow of colors. Ooh! These breathtaking roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness. 24 multicolored roses for only $24 is an amazing offer, but it expires Friday. Every bouquet is backed by 1-800-Flowers 100% smile guarantee. I don't understand. What if you do Botox? You can't smile anymore. What if mom's a freak? She's in a plastic surgery. Hey, let's not think about that, folks. Surprise your wife, your aunt, your sister, your mom, whoever that you love that's a woman and a mom. Or just, you could, you don't, it doesn't have to be for Mother's Day. You could get it for your boyfriend. Who gives a shit? 1 800 flowers.com. 24 stunning multicolored roses for only 24 bucks. Go to 1 800 flowers.com. Click on the radio icon and enter the code JRE. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, and the code is JRE. Hurry, the offer ends Friday. We're also brought to you by Squarespace, which is the best way for you to make your own website, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to go to somebody anymore. Those days are gone. You can make your own motherfucking website with Squarespace. I don't mean like this is in like, oh, you could do it. I mean, you can do it. You really can do it. It's not only feasible, it's fairly easy. If you can move files around on a computer, if you can attach a photograph to an email, if you understand the concept of drag and drop, point and click, you can make a wonderful website with Squarespace. Beautiful, award-winning designer templates. You can create an amazing website with a free online store. Everyone comes with an online store. You get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Come on, folks. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support. And there's nothing to install, nothing to patch, nothing to upgrade ever. And Squarespace lets you try it for free. If you want to check out some Squarespace websites, check out my friend Doug Stanhope's website. Check out DunkinTrussell.com, also a Squarespace website. We had a contest uh, that we did a couple of years back with Squarespace websites, and the fucking the websites people made using Squarespace were amazing, beautiful. Like you would spend a shit ton of money getting some 
what was the word like shushi what is it what you were foo-foo what would, like when like shishi shishi is like someone who's like really like a high-end designer awesome people uh listen what i'm saying is it looks like someone who got paid a fuckload of money made your website uh, a ton of restaurants, businesses, creative people, uh, comedians, artists, designers, they use Squarespace, and you should too. And you can try it out for free, plus 10% off your first purchase. Go to squarespace.com forward slash Joe. That's squarespace.com forward slash Joe. We're also brought to you each and every episode by onit.com. Go to O N N I T. Yeah, baby. What is on it? On is a total human optimization company. What we aim to do is provide you, the the human being listening to this, the person who aspires to get your shit together. We want to provide you with all the inspiration, the motivation, the information, and the tools to optimize your time here on planet Earth. We want to do that with supplements like Alpha Brain, something that I, I don't do anything without it. I take it before every podcast. I take it before every UFC I commentate on. I take it before every stand-up comedy show. It gives me the fucking brain juice that I need to get it together. Get it together. It's the building blocks of human neurotransmitters, and it's backed by two double-blind, placebo-controlled studies. It's just one of many things that we do and sell it on it. Strength and conditioning equipment, um, healthy snacks and foods, and really important, click on the Onnit Academy link. You'll be taken to a section of the website that has hundreds of articles on exercise, physiology, on nutrition, on diet, on workouts, motivations, all sorts of great shit. And there's an actual Onnit Academy, which is in Austin, Texas. Uh, we have 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu there, Bang Muay Thai, and uh, amazing instruction and different kinds of working out and great classes and state-of-the-art facility. Go to Onnit.com. Click on the... Don't click on shit. <laughs> Enter the code word Rogan and you'll save 10% off any and all supplements. That's onit.com and use the code word Rogan to save 10% off any and all supplements. All right. My guest today is one of my favorite human beings, Cameron Haynes. He is a bow hunter. He is an ultra marathon runner, an endurance athlete. He's going to do some fucking, we didn't even talk about this, but he's going to do some crazy desert run this summer where he runs through the, where is it? One of the some fucking desert he's gonna run 234 miles this summer why because he ran 205 miles last year and that's not enough asshole has to run another 29 miles <gasps> the baja something no that's mexico desert mojave is it mojave is that it moab moab that's it thank you what the hell cam anyway he just got back from an epic adventure bow hunting in Australia, he was bow hunting Asian water buffalo. Crazy shit. But he's an awesome guy. I love talking to him. I love him. There, I said it in a non gay way. Give it up for my buddy, Mr. Cameron Haynes. Joe Rogan Podcast. Check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night. All day. Hey, and we're live, ladies and gentlemen. We're live and we're live. This is uh, the first time we've ever been live while also being live, live on Instagram 
live. I don't even use this shit. Do you ever use this? I have. I, I was for a while, and it was cool, but... It's one. It's one way to get a lot of new followers because if you go to Top Live, which I'm sure you are, so who's ever live, it'll have Top Live uh-huh. with the most people who are tuning in, and so you're, that's where you are right now. Oh, and so people nice. who don't follow you will will see you on Top Live. We have seven thousand six hundred. <clears throat> Seven thousand seven hundred. That's good. Seven thousand eight hundred. It's getting fucking crazy in here. Cameron Haynes, <laughs> fresh back from Australian outback, where he's out there wrestling. See those reflexes, folks. That was good. It Almost didn't even hit the table. It. Didn't even come close. That's years of jujitsu. Years of trying to keep people from choking me. Yeah, my, my instincts are a little too jumpy. That's the problem. I'm right. Too, too much quick movement. They've got to calm that shit down it's for bow coffee. hunting. Oh, right. For bow hunting. It's the opposite. Be- you need the opposite. Nice and steady, baby. Yeah. She's, bow hunting is pretty much the opposite way of thinking than jujitsu. Because mm. jujitsu, you got to fucking, you got to keep yeah. moving. Turn out. You yeah. got to constantly, you got to <laughs> constantly be protecting yourself and moving and trying yeah. to close the deal. Bow hunting is like steady. Yeah. Calm. It is. Dude, yeah. you're out there wrestling wallabies, I heard. Yeah. Something like that. Jamie's ready to go. Jamie's, he was saying that. He was like, I want to wrestle a fucking wallaby. I don't think Fuck you a do. Wallaby up. We saw a dead one, and it has claws about that long. Do they really? Yeah. I mean, so you can imagine, and their legs are just obviously bouncing all the time. Their legs have just got to be jacked into those big claws. I mean, what I would try to relate it to is, if, have you ever tried to hold down a cat, a house cat that doesn't want to be held I down? I have, man. Right. So they have little tiny claws. Imagine yeah. what a wallaby with those jacked legs and big claws could do. Plus, it's wild. Wouldn't be good. I used to have a, a wild cat. I had a feral cat. Is that a and, wallaby? Uh, that looks... Wow. You're a cute little fella. Yeah, no. Whoa. Yeah. Look at the teeth. That's not real. Is that real? Yeah. That's really his teeth? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, look at the claws on those things. If, I don't know if it'll show claws ever. I can't believe they have teeth like that. Yeah. See those front claws? What the hell does a wallaby eat? I figured a wallaby was like eating nuts and shit. I think, now I think they're murderers. Like babies. So it looks like a little kangaroo. Yeah. Oh, they have a kangaroo tail and the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just, they're very similar to kangaroos. Was that a real teeth though? I think so. That wasn't photoshopped? Google Google wallaby's teeth because I just have a feeling that was bullshit. It I, just looked like a vampire. I feel like they're like the ugly stepchild of kangaroos because they're kind of more hunched over and like, yeah. Damn, we're losing viewers. What? That's crazy. Yeah, YouTube, we're maybe. we're top live, but yeah. we're losing viewers like crazy. We're down to five thousand nine hundred. We're dropping. Maybe I turn it towards me. Maybe that's a problem. <laughs> Probably <sighs> when it's turned towards Cam. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're jumping back up. Oh, see. Now we're up to sixty five hundred. It is oh, your it is your page. That's, after all, look at that. That can't be real. That's uh the one we're looking at right now is like a vampire beer, deer. I've seen those things before. Yeah. Those vampire deer. That's a real thing, right? Those deer with those crazy fangs? I think so, yeah. It's real, but like, why do they have fangs like that? Like, why does... They're not predators. It's very strange. Did you see that uh, they found, for the first time ever, a deer eating a human carcass? A deer? Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, the scientist. See if you can pull that story up. It was yesterday. Oh. All right. Folks, this is very distracting. Uh, <laughs> go to uh, JoeRogan.live and you can see this whole thing. I would read this, but here's the thing about getting older, folks. Your fucking eyes start to go. Cameron Haynes' eyes are still excellent, though. Yeah. I got to tell you, this motherfucker can yeah, see shit. Yeah, I can read shit. that. He yep. can see anything. Conspiracy theory. We're right the same there. age. We're the same age. <laughs> and his eyes, I don't know why my eyes suck. 
But um, it's just the way it goes. But my dick is getting bigger. I don't know what's going on with that either. No. Imagine tit for tat. People would trade in glasses for bigger <laughs> yeah. dick for sure. Um, show feet. What is that? People are so weird. Yeah, I know. Some of the the people put they put weird comments just to get you to read them, and he got yeah. me. He got me this fuck. All right, folks, uh, I'm gonna shut this off, and we're going to uh, just have a podcast. Joe Rogan Live. You can watch. We're streaming on YouTube until we make this big deal with uh, Twitch. See ya. Bam. <laughs> End live video. Do I save it? Done. Nope, didn't save it. Fuck it. Does it, you can save them? Yeah, there's a little thing up in the oh. upper right hand corner, but I, I didn't. I saw it right as I was pressing oh. end, mid press. I'm like, what's the big deal? You know? Don't know. I don't know, dude. Um, so never before seen deer spotted eating human bones. Makes yeah. sense though. Like they would just think it's like calcium. Calcium. Yeah, yeah. they don't know it's a bone. It's no. not like they're like fuck these people. <laughs> it's just. It's no. not like it's like finally deer's eating people. No, but. We've showed videos before um, of deer eating birds, like because they eat birds all the time. Oh, they do. Yeah, huh. yeah, like literally actively going after birds, like they're falling out of nests. Really, the deer's like following it, and the birds are trying to chase the deer off. Oh. And the deer's like, "Yeah, whatever, I'm eating that bird." Look at this. So this bird, this deer, is the other oh. birds. They're like, "Get out of there! Get out of there!" It's a button buck. He's got these little tiny yeah. nubs, yeah. and he's trying to get this ground nesting bird. He's gonna go through the past that tree, and then the the guy filming it. See, yeah. see the the bird hopping around the ground. Yeah. So it's a bird that fell out of a nest. Oh, they and don't have like the. He's most... gonna eat that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's kind of I mean, he's he's chasing it. I mean, he's going after it on yeah. purpose. What a predator he is! Look at the speed, <laughs> the speed that deer shows. But it just shows you how opportunistic live animals are. Oh yeah, wild no. animals like some something it... in that deer's body. Tells it to eat that thing. Hey, there's no compassion out there for animals. No, watch We're animal on animal. Look at him; he's eating it. Oh my! It's dark. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah, life eats life. It's just weird to see a deer for some reason eat a bird and do it on purpose. Like yeah. he's all excited. No, it's like, oh like, yeah, this is good. great. He's good. There's a um, some sort of wildlife thing. Uh, they, they were doing some sort of a survey and they captured these birds with a, a net. They had this net set up uh, in this area where these birds fly just so they could capture these particular birds. Mm. But the deer kept eating the birds and they, they couldn't figure it out. They're like, what is going on here? And then they watched. They had a video of these deer walking up and picking them off the net and eating these birds wow. while the birds were like, Jesus, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Getting eaten by a deer. Yeah. You don't see that every day. No. But I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. I've seen cows do it, too. There's videos of cows doing it. For the longest time, people didn't think that. They thought that, you know, those are just herbivores. Yeah. But no, they're just, nature's just set them up to be super slow. But if something really delicious is in front of them. I thought it was an Eddie Bravo thing. Oh, it's a conspiracy? Came, yeah, he came up with it. No, it's not an Eddie Bravo conspiracy. <laughs> Eddie Bravo believes a lot of conspiracies, but he doesn't believe that. What is this one? Oh, oh what is that? An eagle jacking a bunny rabbit? Yeah. <sighs> That's a deer. Oh, is it a little deer? Yeah. yeah. Eagles are so ruthless. They wow, are. look at that. Bam. We can do this all day, folks. <laughs> I know. You got back from the real wild, man. Like yeah. where you were. The Instagram story. So Cameron Haynes and our buddy Adam Greentree and a few other fellows were up there in the north country of Australia. Yeah. And you guys took over the Under Armour hunt page. Yeah. And uh 
it was epic, man. The, the, yeah. the Under Armour hunt page, like the little Instagram stories. Yeah. I don't like Instagram stories. You know no. why? Because they're only 15 seconds and right. they're little teases. I want you guys to be like live streaming yeah. from up there. Yeah. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? But it was super cool where you guys were at. It was terrifying. Yeah. They kept showing these brown snakes. These Yeah. The second most deadly snake in the world. Yeah. That's what I'm told. Yeah. You saw like how many of them? Uh, four or five. <sighs> Yeah, but it only takes one. Yeah, <laughs> and you're dead, right? Like, I don't pretty know. Pretty much dead. Well, second most deadly. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. That's not good. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And then there's you know big old spiders and uh, crocodiles. Yeah, you guys saw crocodiles. Yeah, you yeah. even filmed crocodiles. Yeah, they were right where we were. You know, super. It was. It was. I mean, this is still not even their summer, but it's still very warm. I mean. Where we were up uh, hunting buffalo at the top end is what they call, which is out of Darwin. It was 90 to 100 degrees. So there's some film yeah. of, uh, now this is a freshwater crocodile, which yep. is not as big, right? Not, not as big or as aggressive as a saltwater croc, but could still definitely do damage. And this was, you know, mere feet from where we were sleeping. And this is the where we'd go and take baths and uh, or just kind of cool down during the heat of the day. That's where he was right there. And how big is that guy? Oh, I don't know, six, eight, seven, eight feet, something like that. I mean, you know, he wasn't huge, but he'd definitely do some damage if and he got a hold of you. Did you guys see any of the saltwater ones while you were there? No. No. So when you you were telling me about this uh, one pond that was near you guys where you saw eyes at night and you didn't think no, there was that any crocodiles, that was it? It was right there. So the the first night we saw the one, just that one right there. We went over there and videoed him and... And checked him out. And then the next night, Adam went down there to the creek, and it was only about maybe 15, 20 feet across, just small, just very shallow. And uh, he looked down and said he, there was like six sets of eyes, red, <laughs> red eyes, which is crocodile. So and that was, you know, they'd moved in. So, Have you ever seen a, a live saltwater one in the wild? Um, I think we did the last time I hunted there up. But I'm trying to remember, or maybe it was. I think when we were flying, yeah, when when we were flying, we saw him. Oh, because so you have to take a flight from where Adam lives. Adam lives near Melbourne, right? Uh, Sydney? Sydney. He lives near yeah, Sydney, New South Wales, is what and it's called. And then you fly four and a half hours to, to Darwin where, to where these water buffalo are. Yeah, and then we, last time we used a helicopter to get out of Darwin. To, and that was four hours in the helicopter. Whoa. And so this, this time we had a helicopter, and so we flew the country to kind of look at it, and, and we saw some pretty big crocs from there but on the river system. So how do you know, like, where to stop, like, when you're buffalo hunting? How do you know where to go? Um, well, I mean, basically it's however far you can walk, you know? I mean, you kind of get we, – we were walking – I don't know, I want to say at least 10 miles a day. 10, ten to, I think, Adam and his guys one time, his camera guy, walked 18 miles one day. <sighs> so we were just, you know, we were always, you know, 10, 12, 13 miles a day. So we're just covering country. Jesus Christ. It was, it was hard hunting up there right now because this is their wet season or the tail end of their wet season. And so the foliage was, was really grown up really thick, so it was very hard to see the buffalo. Normally... Um, later when we went, it's all burnt up because of, you know, summer. And so there's no foliage and, uh, you can see the buffalo from miles basically, but with this grass, the grass is in, 
some places eight eight feet tall. I mean, you'd have to be 50 yards away to see a buffalo, and they're you know 1,800, 1800 to two thousand pounds. God. So it's it makes it hard to find them, and then it also makes it dangerous to trail them. You know, if you're blood trailing them, or if you're even if you just surprise one, um, you know, you you surprise an animal that close, a wild animal like that, and who knows how they're going to react. Yeah, that's a huge animal. Yeah, and and with that grass, it just you know, as you know, Adam and I did a, and the camera guys, we did a podcast up there and we were kind of talking about the challenges of the hunt. And, uh, that was a big part of it is, um, just not being able to see very much country. And so people never hunt Buffalo this time of year. This is like, people say, why would you go? You're not going to, you know, nobody goes this time. And we just, when do they go? They go later in the year, you know, when the, when there's not so much foliage. So they go like in their fall. There, yeah, it would be, you know, what last time I went is December, which is just before the wet season starts. This is the tail end of the wet season right now. So we're thinking about when we want to take you up there would be around November, October, November, because you don't want to get stuck in the, with the wet season hit because that's right. big rains, but uh, you, you want it. And, and also it makes it easier to find the animals because there's not water everywhere. Right now there's water everywhere. So they don't have to be concentrated to get water. But later in the year, all those, a lot of the water sources have dried up. So if you got a good water hole, you know, every, every animal's coming there. Well, so these are, for people who don't know, um, this is an invasive species of water buffalo. It's yeah. A, an enormous Asian. Asian. Yeah. And yep. what is it called? It's just called Asian water buffalo. Like what is the actual name of I it? I think it, or yeah, there might be an, uh, yeah, I, th- I just call them Asian water buffaloes. But it seems like there's a C in there somewhere, Asiatic or something. I don't know. Maybe. Jamie can look it Jamie up. Jamie will look it up. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, such a wild, cool-looking animal. Man. Yeah, yeah. They're big. They're big. And uh, my bull, um, he was a big old bull. And uh, uh, we called him in using like a, a wounded calf call. Oh, wow. So this is this is what it looks like. Yeah, that's, well, well, that's a female, obviously. It's typed in Asian water buffalo. Nothing, yeah, that's it. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, go to Cam's uh, Instagram page, and there's a, a picture of the... There's is there Yeah, there no, it that's, is. No, that's Adam's. Oh, that's Adam's? Yeah. And Mine. there's yours is in the upper right-hand corner. But you only see, yeah, right the, there. see the, sc- only see the skull. I, yeah, and then... That's a fucking head. <laughs> People don't want to see that. What is he doing? No, it's... Folks, it, that's how you make cheeseburgers. It's fine. There's only there's, one way. There's, there's another picture of it. I think when it's coming in, when he's coming in right there, right above that, Jamie, right, uh, right now. The one with the far left. Yeah, right. right there. Yeah, there, right yeah. there. That's uh, him at full draw, or with yeah. a, that's looking through the riser of the bow. Yeah. So that's that bull coming in aggressive. He was. You can see his eyes. He was just pissed off, and that's he was coming. That's at under twenty yards, and he's not stopping. And so I shot him there frontal through the chest and uh had to is a, almost like self-defense wow so these are animals that if hunters don't go up there and kill them they they actually hire people to go up there and kill them right they, they, yeah they i mean these things have has spread disease up there i mean they're a, a non-native species and they any water source up there is ruined any natural mm. habitat has been ruined because there's so many buffalo so they just want them killed basically they're like um it'd be like similar to coyotes here you know except two thousand pounds yeah 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 and and no predators either no there's nothing else to kill them and and maybe a croc could kill a you know a small one right Right. but uh 
they just need, you know, and coyotes down here in North America don't ruin water sources and ruin habitat like these things do. These things are just wrecking machines, and there's there's hundreds of thousands of them up there. So they ruin water, water sources for the native animals as well, like all the yeah, other any, things? Anything, so, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they shit and piss in the water. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, Australia is so strange, and uh, as is New Zealand, in that all these people imported animals there in the yeah. 1800s, and uh, I guess even before. Was it when did they establish Australia and New Zealand? I'm not sure. I forget when they established. See if you can find out when they established. We talked about this recently with Josh Zepps, didn't we? But they um, they brought in all these animals with no game plan. Yeah, they just let them loose, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Oh Jesus!" So. In New Zealand, they have these beautiful stags, these incredible animals, and in some places they have to shoot them out of helicopters just yeah. to control the population. Yeah. Yeah. Which, where it, for people in America, it's like unheard of. Like, yeah. how could you do that? Like, that's that's a, that's like an elk, like a majestic animal. You're going to shoot yeah. them out of helicopters and just leave them there to die. It's way different. It's uh, you know up there, there's just not enough hunters because in all of Australia they say there's. As many people as are in, are in LA, the LA area here in the whole country. Since- New Zealand says it was uh, okay. The first European explorer to site New Zealand was Abel Janzoon. What a name, Janzoon Tasman on the thirteenth of December in sixteen forty two. Wow. But that's obviously just a European. People have been there for a long fucking time. Oh yeah. And Australia was 1788. And shortly thereafter, then they started bringing in all these animals. And the idea was that they were going to make it like a European hunting destination. Right. For for rich people. The yeah. rich. Uh, what, what Douchebags. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they released yeah. all these animals, but with no predators. Right. Yeah. And so people were going to come over from Europe and they were going to go to Australia and hunt. Yeah. The rich people. And so... I think they and they told me that it seems like it was in 1985 they're going to wipe out all the buffalo and they had some money funded for it and they were going to try to get rid of them and they got halfway through and quit. They killed like half of them? Something like that, yeah. Wow. And and then they quit. And so now it's just as I was saying, the whole country is about the size of the United States. You were telling me this, but I I did know that the whole country has the same amount of people as live in LA here. So there's just not that many hunters, you know, a small percentage of them are hunters. So there's nobody to control all these number of non-native species. And that's from, uh, water Buffalo to the fallow deer that I was hunting to stags. There's not as many stags as fallow deer, but, um, all these species just, there's no measure for control really. Yeah, and so. they brought in a bunch of other non-native species to. It's a it's an exercise in conservation gone totally wrong because yeah. they brought in cats to take care of certain animals, and they brought yeah. in fox, and then the fox and the cats are out of control, and they kill yeah. all the ground nesting yeah. birds. So now, it's kind of fucked up to us here in America, but people in Australia hunt cats. Yeah, like they, they hunt do. them the way, and they hold them up like, "Look, I got one." And yeah, it's a cat. Yeah, it's weird, man. Yeah. It's like that's fluffy. What the fuck? Yeah, no. I we saw a guy, and uh, he had a rifle, and he's walking on the road there. Just a, and uh, he lives there. You know, I mean, that's his home. He's lived there his whole life, I think. And he was walking on the on the road, and I went down there. I had my bow, and I was, you know, I said, "Hey, what are you after?" He's like, "Oh, I'm after a a big black cat," and I'm like. Uh, like a just a regular cat he's like yeah i said like just a feral 
you know, wildcat? He's like, yeah, it's a black one, though. He goes, so there's a $10 bounty on it that the, the property owners around there had. If anybody could kill this black cat, it's 10 bucks. But they don't think anything about it because there's just wild cats everywhere. How weird is that? Yeah, it a is. A bounty on a kitty cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, people um, that have uh, researched it in America, just in North America, uh, cats kill somewhere in the neighborhood of three billion birds. Oh, a yeah, year. yeah, billion. Yeah, that when they found that out, like yeah. apparently, like scientists were shocked. The biologists were shocked. It's between one point five and three point something billion, and that's not even counting like mice and rabbits and all the other shit they killed. Squirrels. I'll never forget. I had a cat that used to. Um, I used to live across the street from this park. And uh, I had uh, this one male cat, and he was just a murderer. And uh, I'll never forget watching him walk across this uh, park with a squirrel between his legs. So he was biting down the squirrel's neck. Yeah. The squirrel's dead, and the squirrel was his size, practically. And it was in between his legs. So he's straddling it and walking with it, dragging it along so he could show it to me. Good kill. Oh, he was super psyched. That was awesome. He's like, dude, look what I got. (laughs) I was like, all right. That's the... Probably a, a large percentage of his weight right there. He it killed. was. It was probably, no bullshit, at least three quarters the size of him. Yeah. Because he wasn't a big cat and it was a fat fucking squirrel. <laughs> yeah. That that probably would have been a nice battle. It's just weird. A cat versus squirrel. Cats are the weirdest animals, man. Yeah. Because they're, they're cool with us, but they're straight killers. I know, but the only story I remember about a cat, I can't remember where I heard it or who told me, but that... Oh, maybe it was one of my cop friends. But anyway, if a if a like an old say it's an elderly person that has a dog, they die. The dog is the people come and find the body, and the do- and the dog's laying there with them, you know, just like a loyal, whatever. And uh, if a cat, if they have a cat and they die, the cat eats their eyelids and and lips. Yeah, right away. If you stop feeding that cat, the cat's like, look, I'm eating. <laughs> And you it look eats like meat. its owner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really all you need to know about a cat. They eat each other too. Um, like crazy old people. Uh, there's this one lady who was a hoarder and she had a bunch of dead cats. She had so many cats in her house and uh, the cats had died and so the, she wasn't feeding the cats. Yeah. So the cats were eating the dead cat. Man. Woo. Yeah. It's hard out there. No. It's hard out there, Cameron Haynes. <laughs> I know. Imagine being a cat, you're living with a hoarder. You're like, this bitch doesn't even let me go out. Yeah. Like, let me out. I'll go kill some birds. Oh. Yeah, that animals just want to be out and live. This, that's what we need to we need to be out and live. I mean, that that two and a half weeks I was in Australia, that was man. I, t- I took two showers the whole time. Lived in a sleeping bag. And you a, must have smelled good. What? A, hey, that's just how it goes. <laughs> that's what people are supposed we to could, smell like. We couldn't even crazy? tell. We were just used to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I'm just. For the viewers, I'm a clean pro. I take a couple showers a day, but you know, when you're hunting, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. Were you wearing wool? No. I was, no, it was warm. Oh, right. Warm, warm. But like a thin layer of merino actually keeps yeah. you cool because you're sweating it and it regulates heat really well. Yeah. It was, you know, where we were hunting deer in New South Wales, which is outside of Sydney, it was actually cold at night. I mean, yeah, I saw was, you guys were walking on like frozen grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The There's grass frost. was covered with frost. But I mean, it, at night it was freezing. You know, I mean, it was like 32 degrees, and we were used to. We thought we were going to be hunting in 90 to 100 degree weather. So yeah, it didn't. You know, when you're laying in a sleeping bag that's only rated to 40 degrees and it's 32, and sleeping on the ground, it's 
That's rough. <laughs> it's just rough. It's but you were saying that those deer were like super turned on too, right? Like they were tuned in. Like yeah, they, they were very skittish. on edge. They they they've been hunted, and uh, you know they don't have lions like we have here that which keep the deer on edge. You know because we have the lions are just killers, but uh, um, they don't have a predator like that. But man, it's just they're an antelope species, and or it's uh they can see so well and so fast reacting it's just amazing what are they this is a fallow deer right yeah and what are they related to um for i just said it right there you said an antelope but i i'm not sure if once i said it i'm like are they (laughs) (laughs) so don't don't quote me on that we might have to look that one up too but all i know is the reason why i said that is because they can see i mean antelope are notorious for having amazing vision you know 10 times what what humans have apparently and that's how these were i mean i don't know if the deer or antelope or whatever but they can see extremely well so they were seeing you from like a long ways out oh you couldn't i mean i heard there's this one buck i was stalking i had a cameraman with me and the the key for stalking animals is always staying in the shade if if you stay in the shade and you got camo on Especially if they're in the sun, you know how it is looking looking into. If you're in the sun, you try to look into a house, you can't see. Right. So it's the same thing with shadows. So you always want to be a shadow. Well, we were 330 yards away from this buck I was stalking. He was feeding in this creek, and we had this small patch of sunlight to cross. 330 yards away, it's a long way away. And I I told the cameraman, I'm like, we just got to get across here. Just stay low and get, you know, hustle through there. So we, we hunched over and got in seconds, we were through there, got to the shade, looked over at the buck. He's standing there staring. I'm like, are you kidding me? How? He's already, so we're in the shade. So then for sure we weren't moving. I'm like, don't move. And he's just staring, 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 staring. And I'm like, don't move. He's like, I'm not. I go, don't move. He's, he's on, he's just looking. Anything is going to spook him. He's like, I'm not moving. And he was uh, uh, crouched down on his knees. And so finally the buck like took a few uh, um, bites of grass. And I'm like, okay, he's feeding. Next thing, gone. So all he did is took a couple bites of grass for the road. (laughs) He's like, no, I already know I'm out of here, but I'm taking this with me. And he was gone. That was it. Yeah, they're smart. That's, That's long rifle range. We had bows. And it's just barely this... So, and we have to get close with a bow. And so you can imagine it just, if that, that one example tells you what it was like, basically. So we we were talking about, um, different bow setups. Like you had brought two bow setups. You'd brought one for deer and you bought one for Buffalo. Buffalo. So for people that don't understand, there's two different ways that you were going to approach this. The Buffalo is a giant, heavy boned animal. So you had a real heavy arrow, which is going to go slower. Yeah. And those arrows are just too slow for those deer. And the deer would actually move out of the way before the arrow got to yeah. them. Yeah. Like matrix. <laughs> it, it, it was, you know, the, the thing with uh, penetration with an arrow is weight. The weight of the arrow uh, equates to more penetration with heavy bone. And, you know, the, we talked about the Buffalo 1800 to 2000 pounds. So you need something that hits hard. Well, when you have a heavier arrow, it's going to fly slower. So those are flying at 245 feet a second out of my high poundage bow. And I thought, well, good enough. I mean, these, these, I didn't, 
these will be all right. And I, and I was shooting it so well. I'm so accurate, you know, practicing out to 90 yards all the time and shooting really well. So I thought, you know what? I know it's supposed to be for buffalo. I'm just going to use it for deer. So the first week there, I tried it for deer, and it was just like these deer were seemingly 10 yards away by the time the arrow got to them. And it's, I'm not talking long shots. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's just a fluke. Just a fluke. So they would see it. Hear it. They would hear it, and they would duck out of the way. Or just be gone. I mean, just like be 10 yards away. So they would move out of the move, way before the arrow off. got to them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the, finally, I thought, well, maybe it's just... And it was super calm there, so so quiet. You know, I don't know, my bows are quiet. A heavy arrow makes a bow even quieter. You know, it absorbs that sound and and the energy. So your limbs aren't just like that. There is more of like, a and but it still makes a noise on a super calm, windless day, especially when it's cold. You know, I mean, it's just that sound's going to get across there. So I thought, well, maybe just a fluke. Maybe the deer were pick something up, pick up some movement. So they were just on me and just whatever. And I'm not worried about it. You know, I'm not used to missing. I'm, I'm used to being very disciplined on my shots and taking high percentage shots at relaxed animals. If I do do my stock, right. My, my goal is always to shoot an animal that has no idea I'm there, you know, so it's relaxed. And, uh, so that wasn't happening here. And I thought, well, maybe, Maybe it's just because they're high strung and and they were on me. So, but the 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 time where I decided, okay, these arrows aren't going to work, was a wild boar was out there, big boar, forty five yards. Okay, this should be slam dunk money. And I just ca- camera over my shoulder. He had no idea we were there. Draw back, shoot, and he had he was facing uh, his head to the left. And he was heading back to the right, probably a few feet away by the time the arrow got there. I mean, well, I didn't even have to even, I like shot and went, oh my, are you kidding me? He's that gone that fast, spun and just gone. And so then at that time, I'm like, okay, these, this is not going to work. It's so crazy because although there's no predators there, the hunters that are there are out there all the time. They don't have a season. No, there's no season. These animals are just tuned in. They're hunted every day. Wow. Yeah. And so, and mostly rifle. So, I mean, they're used to, if they see somebody, that's like a danger because they've been shot at from, you know, hundreds of yards. So it's just, yeah, it was, it was challenging. Um, But so I I changed from those uh, 245 grain arrows and I thought, well, I need to shoot my, uh, or not 245, 245 feet per second that 687 grain arrow to a lighter arrow. And I thought, well, maybe this will do it. And, uh, you know, is it shooting uh, 300 feet per second at that time? Did you change broadheads? Yep. Did you go to the trocar? No. Did you step with the solids? No, I shot, uh, with the Buffalo and actually, you know, it's funny. Actually what I ended up killing the deer with too was, uh, um, what were the Magnus stingers? And I also, the, but the expand, I had that expandable head. Do you remember that one that I used mm-hmm. on the bear? Yeah. It was a, uh. Grave digger? Grave digger. Yeah. Yeah. That, what a ruthless name. That head. And that, <laughs> that head flies so good. Oh, it's money. So you use that as well? Yep. So when you're out there, man, like, so you're around Sydney, which is where people are, 
There's there's those animals are hunted pretty pretty regularly. Yeah. But then you're taking that flight for four and a half hours, and then the helicopter. And when you're in the area where the buffalo are, there's nobody out no, there. No, it's that's, it's remote. That is a wild wild place. Because yeah. When you think about the the size of Australia, the size of North America, with the same amount of people yeah. as Los Angeles, but yeah. the area where you're at, it's yeah. like. That is as wild as it gets. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you fly those four and a half hours from Sydney to Darwin, and most of that, you're looking down at country with nothing. Nothing. No roads, no nothing. And, wow. and that's that's a large majority of Australia is like that. And it's just overrun with buffalo. Yeah. A lot of it is. Yep. And uh, What so, a crazy place. Yeah. And uh, we, we did find some... Uh, you know some drawings up there too um from the from yeah i mean old, from the natives yeah yeah, yeah from the aborigines and did you uh, did you know that those were there before you went there did adam the, know that they the were there the pilot knew the pilot knew yeah so we wanted to go see them oh wow yeah. so are they in a cave like where they're on um the for the weather not to get to them it has to be on like the underside of a rock mm -hmm. so you, where we went we filmed under there's like you could imagine people getting out of the rain there and they're huge boulders and they're getting and it's just a perfect spot just to stay dry and so that's if the rain was if was, if they drew on a part of the rock where the rain was hitting obviously it was gone but in these these areas they were protected so the drawings were still there last time adam was here he talked about um some of the aborigines there and explained some stuff but when we went back to my house we uh, we had dinner and we sat around talking. And he told me some crazy stories about yeah. the the horrors that those people faced and how mm -hmm. they had been wiped out, like mm -hmm. they had been poisoned. Like he went to this one mm -hmm. cave and he found bones all through this cave. He's like, "This is crazy. There's like human bones." And he's like, "Children's bones. You mm -hmm. find children's bones." And then he had heard this story from one of the other Aborigines that lived there that someone had brought food to all these people, all the mm. aborigines there, and just poisoned the food and just oh. killed them all off. Yeah, it's, it's fucking dark, man. Yeah, it's yeah. It's dark. No, I don't know. So they don't, know, they don't know who made those hieroglyphs or, they, or the, the cave drawings or whatever they were, or when they did it either? No. No, they say, uh, I put it up on my Instagram page, and I saw some comments there, and they're saying that the more brightly colored, the older they are. Huh. But I don't know. I think, I think the pilot mentioned ten thousand years old. Maybe. I'm just guessing. How the fuck yeah. do you know? <laughs> I have no idea. How would you I think know? He, I think you just threw that out there. Yeah. How would you know? I mean, it's just. It Some, seems I'm like, sure somebody knows. I mean, right? That studies that. I'm sure there's probably a few people. Yeah. But it seems like when you think about the actual numbers uh, of how much land you're talking about, how mm. few people live out there, and how many of those things are probably there. And also, one of the things that Adam was telling me that's crazy is you could have the way um, they uh, refer to themselves, uh, like uh, Aborigines, they call themselves a mob. Like, mm. you know, instead of a tribe, it's a yeah. mob. Yeah. And they're like, there could be one mob. And he said, there could be a mob. He goes, four kilometers away, and they speak a totally different language. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. He's, I go, how many languages are there? He goes, oh, hundreds. Yeah. What? Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. I go, so they can't talk to each other. He goes, nope. Yeah. No written language. Yeah. They they have different expressions for things. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. That's yeah. crazy. I know. What yeah. a, I mean, it's really. I think it's like a tribal society, right? Sure. I mean, that's yeah. that's just the way it goes. Well, it's it is like a tribal society, but it's also like you're you're. I mean, right now, 
there's culture and there's civilization that is linked to who knows how many hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, and it will go away mm-hmm. because there won't be people that understand it. There's not, no, not someone who's studying it. Yeah. And there's so many different versions of the way they communicate that it's just like you're, you're literally watching history uh, dissolve right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's a, it's ama- it was amazing to be in that country walking and hunting in the same that, – that they have for, you know – however many years and what did I mean, they hunt back then because this is obviously before the buffalo came in before they brought the fallow deer i don't know just whatever wallabies or wallabies Probably. a native thing kangaroos and shit. yeah yeah wow yeah but it was it was cool being under that rock and in envisioning them being there too yeah you know that long ago doing the same thing we were doing yeah that's that's uh that's a real mind blower man it's just so fascinating thinking about that that particular continent of Australia that, you know, Europe used it as a prison colony and England brought a bunch of people over there and go, look, you people are assholes. Stay here. That was on – there's an island off of Australia, right, that they used for that? Well, they used Australia for that. I thought – I. God, what was that island? I know it's we were probably t- an island as well that they still do. I think that's what they take oh, immigrants. Right, right. Yeah. So th- and they have to live there for a certain amount of time before they can come over. Yeah, they have some weird immigration laws in yeah. Australia. Australia, yeah. like if people that are complaining about Trump wanting to build a wall, <laughs> yeah. listen, they got Australia, this island. It's way worse, and it's like a prison. Yeah, I, it, if if I understand it right, it's like a prison, and they have to stay there for you know, like I said, a certain amount of time before they're. A citizen. Yeah, see if you can find that, Jimmy. Josh Zepps actually uh, brought it up to us, and he was explaining how brutal the uh, immigration laws are over there. They don't want anybody moving to Australia. They understand yeah. they have a good thing going on. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't been to Australia, it is lovely. Yeah. The people there are fantastic. Oh, they're they're super friendly. They're really nice. And again, there's not that many of them. No. So, it's expensive, though. Yeah. Very, you know, I mean, there was a, um, Eamon, he, I think his house was like a two bedroom house and four or five hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense though. You got to bring shit over there, right? Yeah. Like they were saying, the guy, uh, when I was in Sydney, um, the guy who was driving us uh, was telling us how much cars cost over there. They cost so much more money. Yeah. And especially like people like uh, classic American muscle cars. And the oh. guy was talking about how much like a 1968 Mustang was worth. Yeah. And he's like, it's probably worth twice what it's worth in America. Really? Yeah, because they have to ship them over there. What they have over there, which is sweet, was the Toyota Hilux diesel trucks. Those are pretty sweet. What is it? It's just a Toyota. Like a Tundra? A is it to- like a Tundra? It's like a, it's like a they call it a Ute. That's you? a pickup. Oh, like a utility vehicle? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to use learn the lingo. But a ute is a pickup, and it was a Toyota Hilux diesel. And is this what Adam was driving around in? No. I can't remember what his is. There not... it is right there, huh? Yeah. That's a... Okay. So Toyota it's like a Hilux. flatbed. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure what Adam... Maybe Adam has that. I can't remember now. One of the things I thought was weird when I was there was how many people have snorkels on their trucks. Yeah, yeah. That one right there. Yeah. That's driving through water. Well, it's not just water. It's also dust. Oh, they really? They explained to me that oh, dust chokes up your air filter. Yeah. So they uh, have those uh, things way up high so that it uh, when the engine's getting the air, like apparently it mitigates a lot of the dust because a lot of the dust is like uh, headlight high Yeah, when you're driving and that... Gets you a little bit more clear air okay. up there. 
Well, that's out of my wheelhouse. I know bow hunting yeah. and running. <laughs> well, you it. knew the name of it. <laughs> no, I just noticed because they're cool. Well, whenever you go to like Africa yeah. or whenever you go someplace that's fucking brutal, you see a lot of Toyotas. Yeah. Toyotas yeah. know how to, they know how to make a car that lasts. They do. They do. Yeah. But they're not, I mean, here it's just like, you know, Ford, Chevy, you know, I don't know. Because we like American stuff. I guess yeah. so, yeah. But still, yeah. you still see a lot of like old Land Cruisers. Yeah. I mean, how many FJ Land like Cruisers there, do you see? There, in, where we were on in the outback driving around, everybody has those. Yeah. Every person has a truck set up like that. Well, you got, I guess you have to. Yeah. If you, you realize after time, like this is the only thing that makes it. Yeah, because Adam was saying when he drives from Sydney to Darwin, you know, we took a four and a half hour plane flight, but it's three days. So you have to, ha it, your rig has to be bulletproof. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. They have an expression. Uh, you could take a Range Rover into the bush, but you need a Land Rover to get out of the bush. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just, those Toyotas, it's just, it's kind of crazy how well they last. Yeah. You know, when you really think about, like for the longest time, America did a real shit job of making cars that last. Yeah. There was a period in American cars from like the 1970s till I think till probably like the late 90s or 2000 they finally got it right yeah. now, now we make very dependable cars as well yep. but for the longest time we were making dog shit well I don't know about all that but I do know we're gonna go up and do that hunt <laughs> me you and Adam and we're gonna do a Netflix special they don't Netflix That's doesn't the plan Netflix doesn't know this yet why, why, why Netflix? What, what makes you... Well, what what, what should we do it? Yeah. Well, it's a good move. It's a good move. Doing to, something on the internet. Yeah, I wanted it to be like an hour-long documentary-style film, hunting film, giving back, you know, killing buffalo, taking the meat back to the community. To the natives. Yeah. Yeah, to that's, Aborigines. Yeah, that's what I envision. That sounds like a great idea. Um, it could be, certainly, it could be done on Netflix, or it could be done... And you could just put it online. You yeah. Know, that, that could be just as, I mean, Netflix is awesome for sure, but there's some people that don't have Netflix. Everybody yeah. has an, an online connection. Yeah. My, 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 my goal is to sort of use you because people, <laughs> because I want to, I want to, I want hunting to be shown in the light that I know it to be, which is right. hard work, respect for the country and the animals and giving back. So with you involved, more people care about it, right? And we want to have you involved because we like hanging out with you. And like, well, I was explaining this to Adam too. Um, when we did my podcast up there in the bush, it's like ever since I've, I've hunted way back when Roy moved to Alaska and I was left hunting the wilderness on my own, I loved it so much. I kept wanting to find somebody who would love it as much as I, so I could say, Look how awesome this is. Isn't this awesome? And I kept taking people there and trying to convince them how awesome it was. It wasn't awesome for them. <laughs> so it was like, but you want to share something that impacts you so much with other people who appreciate it. So that's why, that's what, that's what I was saying uh, when Adam and I were talking is that, you know, you love bow hunting. And so that's when, when you are so interested and invested in something and have such a passion for something, there's nothing better when somebody, than when somebody else shares that passion, right? Yeah. 
So that that was that was why there's a few different reasons why you were going to be involved. Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited about that. But I, I also think the difficulty factor is what turns people off. I don't think they expect yeah. it to be so difficult. No, when no, you, no. If you try to introduce bow hunting to people, first of all, just shooting a bow, people think, oh, well, let's, you pull the string back, you point at the spot, you let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, good luck with all that. It takes yeah. fucking years. Yeah. It takes years to get competent with yeah. a bow. And uh, I remember when you first uh, started showing me how to shoot. We first shot in my backyard, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I immediately recognized. I think, like after, first of all, you had a ninety-pound bow, which I definitely shouldn't have been pulling back. My <laughs> yeah. shoulder was fucking killing me I after the first that. hour. <laughs> I, I was like, that. oh, like this takes—you got to build up to this goddamn yeah. thing. But then I remember thinking, like, to be accurate with this, like I just went down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm like, I just took my first step down a crazy rabbit hole, and who knows where it leads? Because this is not easy. No, and. I'm a, I have a very addictive personality, yeah. and I, I need to figure out ways to channel that addiction in positive ways, because I can get lost doing things that are not good. Yeah. So bow hunting and archery itself, mm-hmm. to me, it seemed like, okay, this is a discipline. It's a worthy pursuit. It's fascinating, and I'm very, very interested in it. Yeah. But for a lot of people, I think it's very daunting. Like, oh. I don't think they realize it. People no. think of hunting as like Elmer Fudd. Like, you know, you, you go out there or they see some hunting scene in a movie where there's a bunch of rednecks and they're fat and they're sitting in a tree stand or something like that. Yeah. And they think it's easy. And they think it's a bunch of people that are just killing animals and yeah. they don't care. And then when you actually go out and do it, especially if you go do it with a person like you, you understand what this thing really is. And what it really is, is this incredibly difficult pursuit that takes immense amounts of hard work mm-hmm. and dedication and you got to be in fucking shape for it. Yeah. And this is something that people are starting to realize now. Right. Over, and I think you're a big part of this. And over the last few years and all the platforms that you've gone on to tell your story is that people understand that big game hunting in the West, in the Western style hunting, elk mm-hmm. and mule deer, the type of stuff that you love to do, is very very difficult. Yeah. It is a combination of athletics, of extreme endurance, of hiking, outdoorsmanship, survival skills, yeah. and then the knowledge of hunting. And then you have to be a good shot on top of all that. Right. You then, have to know archery. Yeah. Then you have to be able to keep, you know, when that adrenaline hits, when yeah. all of a sudden, and that's what's hard is people have invested so much into it and they've been thinking about the, the, mom, the crunch time for mm-hmm. so long that when it happens, it's too much. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really hard when you've been thinking about something for years, potentially, or at least all year, you know, that, oh, here's my chance, here's my chance, and then you get it and you're not ready. Yeah. Because it's just too much to, it's so hard to stay calm. Well, it's also something that you need to do a bunch of times until you understand it. Yeah. It's like, I try to explain it to people about, we were talking about fighting earlier. We were mm-hmm. talking about, um, when pe- if someone has never fought before and never competed before, the the scary thing is not really the what's nerve wracking is not the actual fighting itself. Yeah. Once the fighting starts, you're actually kind of like just in the zone right. and you're just doing it. I mean, you might be intimidated, especially if you're fighting a guy like Mike Tyson or Anderson Silva or something like that. You're going to be shitting your pants. Yeah. But the real terrifying stuff is the build up, the mm-hmm. lead up, and that's kind of the same thing with hunting. It's the moment before the shot. Yeah. It's your adrenaline is pumping. It's like if you had to shoot an eight ball 
across the table, long shot, and your life was on the line. It's almost like yeah. that. And you don't get any warm-up shots. Yeah. There's no warm-up shots. No. It's just all of a sudden, here's this one shot for is. all the marbles, and you got to stay calm. Yeah. Oh, and the animal might be moving. Yeah. Like, oh, well, fuck. No, it's, it, I was saying that on this last hunt. It was, you know, we had me, Adam, and Remy Warren. And supposedly, we're supposed to be pretty good hunters. The best of the best. And we were struggling to get something killed. And I was just like, imagine how frustrating this would be for somebody, a new hunter. I mean, yeah. it's no wonder people try to bow hunt and then just be like, are you kidding me? This is impossible. And it's, but it's, it's that challenge. Anyway, it's that whole journey, which is why I want to do that special. Yeah. And I want to, I want to share all that's positive about hunting. It, to as many people as, you know, and we are reaching new people these days, you know, I mean, hunting, it's, it's in the crosshairs in some aspects, I guess, but we're also, other people are getting, cause I get, I mean, I, I went to an archery shop up there, Benson's Archery in uh, Sydney, and we just had a few hours notice saying, Hey, Adam, Adam and I are going to stop by swing by. And quite a few people came. I mean, it was, it was surprising how many people showed up. But a lot of them were vegetarians, you know, six months ago, listened to your show. A lot of people told me, oh, I found out about you from Joe Rogan, or I didn't hunt, or I, I didn't even eat meat. And all these different stories, all these different, from all these different areas. So we are reaching new people. Yeah. And I want to make sure our message, the one of, of, of respect and reverence and, and appreciation for everything out there and for survival and for just, you know, Outside of the life, outside of the city, I want that shown in a way that I know we would. Yeah. And so that's why I I'm selfishly want this to be a, a big thing just because I'm sick of hunting, you know, the Elmer Fudd thing. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, I, I see I was watching a movie the other day and they showed a hunter and it was like the, the girl was on there and she was, oh, what was that? There's three girls that were kidnapped and one of them had hunted as a, as a, younger girl and so she was like do, do you know what movie that is anyway so she was had the upper hand she was tougher and she was more prepared because she had been a hunter and i'm like oh that's cool but then they show her as a little girl hunting and her perverted uncle had molested her oh, hunting Dad. drinking beer oh god that movie split split yeah oh. that, that's what it was so the hunter in there There's was some child molester I'm like, why? It's the most misunderstood and misrepresented discipline, I think, uh, that we have here in America. And it's, it's so confusing to people because when we think of uh, food, we think of restaurants and we think of supermarkets. Yeah. We don't think of wild animals. And the connection that people feel like they don't have with their food is one thing that comes up all the time lately so people are constantly looking for these farm to table places yeah like there's a farm to table place out here um called uh peddler's fork it's a really good place they have mm -hmm. great eggs like you get the eggs they're like real dark yolk yeah yeah the food is all grass-fed beef or from a farm that they have a connection to and they buy the meat from the farm and there's a lot of that these farm to table places where they these restaurants have a great relationship with the people that actually grow the food so everything's organic okay. they know where it comes from yeah and people are super connected to that they love the idea of that because factory farming is kind of freaking people out yeah and for the longest time 
it was happening without us knowing. You know, I think yeah. during the 80s and the 90s, it was all going on and no one, no one understood. Right. Yeah. So now people are becoming more aware because of the internet, because of information, and they're becoming more aware of where their food comes from. Mm-hmm. And you're also seeing a higher number of people that their response to this factory farming thing is, well, hey, I'll go vegetarian or hey, I'll go vegan. And yeah. Before I hunted with Ranella, that was my thought. I was like, I don't want to participate in factory farming. Yeah. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to either go hunting. I'm going to mm. hunt for my own food because I knew mm. there's something wrong. Yeah. I'm like, it's too easy to just get a steak. I, I would always like pick up a steak and I go, this is to be an animal. Yeah. Like, so here I am at the supermarket. Yeah. Now it's a styrofoam container wrapped in saran wrap. Like this is fucking weird. Yeah. It's weird that you could just do this. So my thought was... If I shoot an animal and I hate it, like I didn't know how I was going to feel. I never mm-hmm. shot. I've fished yeah. all my life. Yeah. I never. But when I shot that deer, and I was like, "Oh, I can I get it. I get it." Yeah. I mean, it was an extreme amount of respect. I mean, it's on video. I mean, you can see it on Mediator. Yeah. Anybody who wants to watch it, you could watch it online. The first time I ever shot a deer, it was intense. Yeah. You know, and and then cutting it up and eating it that night, I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, this makes sense." Yeah. This is a. And then when you actually find out that. You know, that these animals, the money that come come from hunting tags and even from buying hunting gear, there's Mm -hmm. a percentage of money that goes towards conservation. And this is all very carefully thought out by people like you and by these people that that really respect and care for these animals. And you get deeper and deeper into this and you understand what it really is. And then you see this whole community of these people like yourself and Remy Warren and these hardcore hunters that are also like deeply connected to the land and conservation and deeply appreciate these animals. And this is how they get all their meat. Yeah. This is how they live. And like that was extremely appealing to me. Yeah. It's a, I think Steve Ranella has done a great job making, getting that message out in a, in a, in a perfect way, really. I mean, he's a great spokesman and, and his show, I used to watch his show before Meat Eater. Now I can't remember what it was the called. Wild Within. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And and I remember he had just something about him that I'm like, okay, this is different. I liked I was a hunter. You know, I've been a hunter myself my whole life. But his his portrayal was different than what we'd seen before. And so, you know, maybe the me and, and some of the other people you've mentioned and, and Adam have just carried that on and and tried to do a good job of educating people who don't know any better. And I just, you know, it's like, I wish everybody could be out there. I mean, that last day we were up up in the mountains there um, after I had killed my deer and we had a a back strap. So we're picking up camp, getting everything away. But I had, I had a, uh, awesome fallow deer backstrap which is like the prime for people who don't know is a prime cut and uh i cut it all i cleaned it all off every piece of anything that was on it hair if there's any uh, tree bark anything that was on there it was just a perfect clean piece of meat i sliced it all up um we got a green stick to put it on um skewered it on on a green um wood so if it's if it's dry wood the wood's just going to burn and so you you know you can't cook on that so it's got to be green and we put it over the fire there and it was we seasoned it it was so good it was probably some of the best meat i've ever eaten and standing around the campfire just pulling that off that that stick that we had cooked it over the open flame was i wish everybody could know what that was like to know that that deer 
just previous to that was alive in the woods. We harvested him, which is AKA killed him and then ate him. And that's that circle of life or whatever you want to call it, or, or just that moment. That's, I wish everybody could experience it because I just think they'd have a different take on, on hun- hunting and hunters and, uh, being self-sustaining. It's very different. Meat is very different when you've killed it yourself. It's yeah. impossible to describe without experiencing it. I mean, I could try, I could give it my best shot, but I'll, I'll fall short. But I remember eating that meat that we ate uh, when I was in Montana with Renella, the first hunt, and uh, it was so delicious. And we're cooking it over a campfire, and Steve had brought this little grill, not not a grill, like a grate, you know, that we'd set down yeah. over the fire, and we'd yeah. slide, yep. put Adam the meat on there. And, and it's, you, you, it's like... Like, if you buy a steak and you cook it, it's great, tastes good. Like, oh, this is a good steak. This is nice. But there's no connection there. No. None. When you are eating an animal that you killed yourself and it's difficult to do, and you you were hard hunting for many, many days before you yeah. got that deer. Yeah. So there's this intense respect and connection that I think we all, I mean, we, we harp on about it so many times that people listen to these podcasts. They're like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you guys stop talking about how awesome hunting is. It's yeah, be- it's because it's impacted both of us in a very, very positive way. In a very, uh, there's a primal genetic sort of uh, ancestral thing that's happening when you hunt. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a, some lights that go off that you didn't even know were there. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't even know there's a switch over there. Click. Yeah, and like, oh, this is a part of my brain that's lit up that it was never lit up before. Yeah, and it's not. It's not what everybody thinks, the the negative aspects. It's not a barbaric thing. It's not a cruelty thing. It's a very respectful thing. Yeah. And I understand the people that have bad feelings about it. I understand the people that look at it like animal cruelty, like you don't have to do that. You can get food other ways. You can eat beans and you don't need to do this. Yeah. I understand how they're thinking. But my thought process is very different. My pro- thought process is what you're doing, what I'm doing, what all these people that do that hunt is you're entering into the wild and you're for a, a small window, a week or whatever it is, you're becoming a part of this crazy cycle of nature. Yeah. You're taking something out of that and leaving something as well. You're spending a ton of money. Um, that money, whether it's uh, the money for the outfitters, the money for the tags, the money for the gear, all that stuff, percentage of that goes to make sure that the habitat is maintained, yeah. make sure that the animal population is maintained, make sure that Department of Fish and Game is well-staffed with biologists, with people that are monitoring these animals. Because guess what? If that doesn't get done, it's it's these animals are not going to be there anymore. Right. They're not going to be taken care of. And North America has the best wildlife management program or or management system of anywhere. And that's why almost all the species that we have here, there's more now than there almost ever has been. And even with shrinking habitat, because we're encroaching on, on where they live, but we're still, the numbers still flourish because we're not hunters. Aren't just, Oh, let's go kill, wipe them all out. I mean, we're, it's managed. It's fishing yeah. game is managed. They're funded by hunters and what we pay with the, with the tags and license. And so it's, there's a system to it, but yeah. But at the end of the day, like there in Australia, we were getting up in the morning out of the sleeping bag, grabbing our bow and taking off. We're hunters. That's it. And that that feels, man, it, it feels, like I said, I wish people could know what it feels like because I see people comment on my social media and they say, this isn't the 19th century anymore. You don't have to be a Neanderthal or whatever. But it's just, we, 
We are hunters. Yeah, well, most of those people have cheeseburgers on their Instagram pages, which yeah. is fucking hilarious. <laughs> There's so much of that. This one chick, she posted something mean when I, I posted a picture of uh, some elk that I was cooking. Yeah. And I said, hey, honey, I go, you got, I like to call girls honey because it makes them feel like I'm a sexist. <laughs> you got a, you got a fucking BLT on your page, sweetie. And uh, she's like, well, that was just from four months ago before I was enlightened. Oh, I'm like, oh, you, you became enlightened. It's yeah. always the most adamant vegans, like, just became one. Yeah. Like, the most proselytizing, ruthlessly aggressive yeah. ones. I understand where they're coming from. And I think that's very important for, for to get our message across, is that, like, we're not animal haters. This is not, this, and it's, it's hard for people to understand that someone could love animals and love the idea of animals and love wildlife, but still eat them. Yeah, you know, I, I was, I, I climbed up in this tree there. I, I found this place where the deer were coming into this field. And uh, like I said, this area had been hunted, but I, I, I had figured nobody had ever hunted out of a tree there, you know, um, not like a whitetail back here, you know, in the in the east or in the south that get trees down hunted all the time. So I'm like, well, I think I can get up in this tree. These deer are coming out in this area. I probably have a pretty good chance. So I was up there in the tree. And uh, these does and fawns were out in the field, and they were running around chasing each other, playing. I mean, it was just like speeding all around in circles and bumping into each other. And uh, it was cool to see. And then this a, a doe and a spike, a young buck, came out right under my tree. The spike was 24, 25 yards away, basically a chip shot with a bow, especially had no idea I was there. And uh, there was a thought that we were getting low on meat in camp and uh, I hadn't killed a deer. So I... You know, I had said before, I'm like, I'm killing any buck that comes out, I'm, I'm, I'm taking him. And then I, I was watching him up there and I'm just like, I just, you know, for me, uh, it's got to be the right animal. It's not just like, I'm, I'm not some bloodthirsty, you know, I still watch the deer. I still appreciate their beauty and that, you know, they're frolicking about or whatever you want to call it. And I still enjoyed that. This, this young buck was down and I had said I was going to get meat for camp, but I'm, not some bloodthirsty guy. So I just said, well, no, I'm just going to watch him and, you know, enjoy it. And he was there. And then the buck I ended up killing stepped out and, uh, you know, an old buck, he was, you could see his hip bones cause he was so run down from the rut and cause, and he was getting older. I could tell he was an older mature deer. And that's, that's what I want to take. I want to take an animal past its prime that has done his job for spread his genes for, for, for the health of the herd and was that's the animals we want to take out. And so he was he was just a rundown old buck. That's what I took. Yeah, people don't they that's the problem is that people associate someone who wants to take an older, big, mature animal with trophy hunting. Like, oh, you just want the antlers. You just want a big but they don't understand that that is actually the animal that you should take. Yeah. And he's still a yeah. he's still great meat. Yeah. You know. I'm sure. Yeah. But I mean it, it, that that's just you know for the health of the herd that's the one you want right you know if you're doing it right, right. And, you know the young and, ones then will get a chance to fill his spot right and that would be the natural position if there was an this is the natural position if there's predators the natural position is the really young ones like the fawns get taken out and then the really old ones who start yep. getting worn down they get taken out and then everything in the middle gets to breed yeah and then this guy who's eight years old or whatever he is he's had plenty of opportunity to shed yep. spread his genetics. And so his his offspring will be everywhere, and yeah. then they'll get a chance now. And and the thing is, nobody makes it out. 
Nobody right. makes Nobody. up alive. Not they're you, they're not all me. dying. Everybody. We're all dying. Yeah. So I mean, just to, so if I wouldn't have killed that buck, it doesn't mean he's going to live forever. I mean, he's going to die yeah, one way or another. It's not going to become a fairy. The fact that he died, I shot him, and he was dead within seconds is guaranteed. And people are always talk shit about this is the very best way he could go yeah you don't Guaranteed. want him starving to death yeah or you know dying because his teeth don't work anymore he literally can't eat food you yeah. know this i've seen animals where you um you look at their teeth and there are almost none left yeah you get a, like a, a really no, old this, buck this, this buck's teeth were flat in the back so he's just yeah. when you can't eat they got to gum it they can't gum enough yeah you they know, can't grind breaking down it down yeah so it's uh you know and and Adam also found two bucks that had fought and got stuck. They were fighting, and a fence was in between them, just a cattle fence. They got stuck in the fence, died. Yeah. So it's just th- their life is, I mean, how many guys out here in the street, you know, fight and kill each other? And get stuck together. It, it doesn't happen. Starve to you know, death. It's, it's life in the wild is, I mean, unless you're out there and you witness things like that, you just live in, it's, a, it's not real. I think the real problem is perspective, you know? I mean, I think unless you're there, unless you're experiencing the wilderness itself, like uh, I've talked about uh, my experience on Prince of Wales Island that, um, you know, Brian Callen and Ranella and I, uh, we were up there for, six, I guess I think we camped there for six days. And you, your, your, your idea of what, like, life is yeah. It's only based on what your perception is, like what you're seeing on a daily basis. Well, hey, you're seeing Ventura Boulevard, and you're seeing billboards, yeah. and yeah. oh, new movies coming out, and Keeping Up with the Kardashians. There's a new season. Look at that new Audi. Wow, that's yeah. a sweet-looking car. Hey, I got the new iPhone. All right, and this is life. That's and it. then you're out there, and you go, oh, well, this is life, too. Total quiet. Yeah. Like this. No cell phone service. Rain. Animals. Yeah. And then it, if you die, no one's going to know. No. If you, you fall and break your neck and die right there, something will eat you. No one will find you. And that's that's normal. You're trying to stay warm. You're trying to get food. And, and you're, there's more you're spots for like that yeah. on this planet. More yeah. spots like that on this planet than spots like Los Angeles. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's but that connection, I don't know. I, I guess every, there's no... There's there, no way to see it in, t- in front of your computer. No. But I want to... If we can film it right and share it right, I think people will get it. They're get getting it, it a little now. Get it more than what than right now. So I mean, that's my goal with you know what we've been talking about. And I mean, we talked about the difficulty. I did remember I wanted to mention this. Um, that hunt, the hunt was. I mean, I've been on a lot of hunts in a lot of places over the years, and uh, I hadn't struggled like I had on this hunt. It, it, it was so difficult. I was telling the guys back there, I said, um, I'm questioning my life right now. What, <laughs> what, what am I doing with my life? And it's just because I'm like, I, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm not going to get it done. And the animals don't care about my goals. That they don't care about that. Oh, we're supposed to be making this great film and portray hunting. They're they're like, no, we're not. Has nothing to. Do, they're just staying alive. That yeah. was it. So it's just like all everything that I I felt like I wanted to do or achieve or my. It was just like it's not going to happen. And it felt like God, have I lost it? You know, I mean, I was. It was just like this is hard. Yeah. But when it works. And you do it right, and that shot happens, then it's just like, okay. And 
I don't know. It's just that, that doing something so difficult um, and being successful, as I've said this before, has made me who I am. You know, I mean, without without a challenge like that, I don't know. I don't know where I'd be right now. So it's, uh, I don't know. At some, at, sometimes you cuss it, and then, man, you're just so appreciative of the journey. You know? Well, those difficult moments are well, the the only thing that makes success worthwhile. Success was easy. If you woke up in the morning, first day, yawn, have a cup of coffee, step five steps. There's the biggest deer that's ever lived. Shoot one right through yeah. his heart. You wouldn't even feel it. It wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't be like. No, I know. And I don't think people understand how difficult it is too, because they watch these TV shows. Have you ever watched a hunting show? They're a half an hour long, so you're watching 22 minutes without commercials, right? Yeah. In 22 minutes, you know they usually build up for the first, you know, 15 minutes. Well, you know, we came close to them, but we could not get a shot, yeah. and then finally they get a shot. What you don't see is that. These, it takes days and days and days of 10, 12 hours, hut, yeah. up and down mountains, up and down and up and down. And when I met you, the reason why I got in contact with you and the reason why I met you is because I was so confused as to why someone would need to run ultra marathons in order to get ready for hunting. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> like, yeah. why is he lifting weights and doing all this shit for, I didn't get it. Yeah. I was like, this, I was just getting into it and I was trying to figure out like I was, I would start to watch things on television. And I was starting to read certain articles and read certain books. And I was like, well, what is this whole fitness connection to mm -hmm. hunting? Like, why do they need to be in shape? I'm like, I'm in pretty good shape. Like, what's mm -hmm. the big deal? Well, I went with Ranella. And when I went with Ranella, one of the things I realized is like, boy, I got pretty winded going up these fucking hills. Like, yeah. hiking hiking tires you out, especially yeah. high altitude. And then I see your, your videos online. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy into? And then um, as I go deeper and deeper into it, I realized like, oh, this is like an extreme pursuit. This is not just like something you just go out and do. This no. is something that's really hard to do. And a lot of people, they're on, I've, I've, I've read this one article about this one guy who was unsuccessful 12 years in a row elk hunting yeah. before he finally shot an elk. Yeah. Like 12 years. Like how many times did this guy go out? How many days did he camp in the forest? Yeah. How many days did he try to stalk and get winded or snap on a twig at the last minute or, you know, the, the elk sees him and bolts? It, most people are unsuccessful. Yeah. I mean, nine out of 10 every year are unsuccessful. I think it's more than that. Like for elk well, hunting with well, archery? It, it's, it's about 10% success. Is it 10%? Yeah. So nine out of 10 are unsuccessful. So people who don't hunt, who see you know, dead stuff all the time, they think, oh, you just go out and kill an animal. Right. No. Right. Most 90% no. don't. It, it is really hard. And it's just like... Until you're out there, you got the bow in your hand and you're trying to close in on that animal and you're trying to do everything right from A to Z with, and there's so many variables during that whole path. It's just like, it, it seems impossible sometimes, you know, even, even for me after 30 years. And there's, there's a very strange connection that you get with nature and forget about even the fact that you're pursuing these animals to hunt them and eat them. But there's a very strange connection that you get when you're out there in that total quiet woods where they live you're in their world and you lock eyes with them and you meet them and you see them and you're in this place with no cell phone reception with no people anywhere near you for miles and miles yeah it's a totally different feeling life shows you uh another aspect of itself that you didn't know existed yeah yeah and it's out there every day yeah but we're just you know 
living in our we're muted <laughs> we're, we're very Definitely. muted there's something about cities and and this existence i mean don't get me wrong i like it i like a lot of it i like the fact that you can go to a restaurant i like going to the movies i like the fact that if uh you know if your phone breaks you go to the fucking mall and get a new cell phone all yeah. that stuff's wonderful yeah. it's not not bad but the other stuff is fantastic too and we're disconnected a giant percentage of our population lives in these urban environments that have a complete and total disconnect from the actual life on earth yeah like life on earth is not just urban environments Mm-mm. life on earth has this broad spectrum of different ways it manifests itself and to to experience all these different ones to be in alberta and see black bears in the wild to to be you know in colorado and see mule deer and be in the woods and the mountains and to be around these different animals it's a different it's a different understanding of of the actual existence that living things have here on earth that living things that share the air you breathe and the water you drink and the earth itself that was the that was the best part of that trip because we would split up. Uh, Adam would go one way, I would go another way in the morning. I'd have Mark Womack with me. He'd have uh, Jameson was his cameraman's name would go with him. And the best part was at the end of the day, hearing what everybody saw. Not 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 what if you killed something because we didn't. I mean, we were there a long time and didn't kill very much, but just what everybody saw. You know, from the bucks being locked up that were dead to. Uh, one morning we we were up and uh heard something a commotion up ahead of us and mark's mark says oh it's a buck rubbing his antlers and i listened for a second i said no that's two bucks fighting so we took off up the hill and i got 25 yards away and these bucks were just going at it just fighting pushing each other around and i i couldn't get a clear shot didn't get up there in time to do that but that story and then adam would say well he called in three fox you know he did a varmint call and three fox came running in or he saw this many wild boars or he was close to getting saw a a giant fallow buck and however it didn't work out and then i would share a story about what i saw you know about another brown snake or something like that and that was that was so fun just getting together over the, over the campfire not talking about what we killed but just what we saw and experienced yeah you know and it's you know i was flew home last night and just got in this morning to la and i'm looking around the airport i was thinking about all the people i wonder how many actually would get me you know because i feel like an outsider a little bit especially coming back from a hunt and i'm just looking at everybody thinking i don't get them they probably don't get me but you at least understand what they're doing i i i think you know i mean when i was checking my luggage in it, i was flew virgin coming back from sydney to la and you know the the lady there the check-in she's like oh, what's in that case and i said oh, that's a bow a weapon i go could be yeah yeah it's a bow and arrow what were you doing i said hunting she's and she goes, what were we hunting? Oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> she didn't want to hear it. And I'm like, Did I go, she have leather shoes on? I was like, I was hunting <laughs> buffalo. She's like, there's buffalo here? I said, well, not here. But yeah, there's there's a lot of buffalo in Australia. And uh, she's like, well, I don't think you can fly with a bow and arrow. And I'm like, <laughs> I, go, I don't you think can. you've looked into it. Yeah, you can. I said, it's just like, I said, it's not even <sighs> like a firearm weapon type thing. It's just, you just check it in, just normal. But anyway, I, I, 
I was thinking, I was like, oh man, that's how old was this lady? Oh, she wasn't old. She was my, younger than me, probably. <laughs> I mean, but I don't think you can fly with a bow and yeah, arrow. Yeah. Why was she telling you that? I don't know. She never looked into that. I said, <laughs> I go, well, I ended up. It didn't have to do anything. She said, you're going to have to sign all this stuff because they're not allowed. And I'm just like, I said, listen, I fly with this all over the world. Is this a lady who worked there? Yeah. Oh, she virgin. didn't know? No. Oh, no. that's hilarious. So she said they're way more strict, which maybe they are. Virgin is more strict? That's what she said. She go, I said, well, I just flew Qantas to Darwin and back, and nobody said a word. I said, and I've... She goes, have you ever been in Australia before with it? I said, yeah. I said, I've, listen, I've been everywhere. It's never an issue. Trust me. I'm not trying to believe. I mean, just trust me. So anyway. But yeah, it's just it's just there's times when I'm just like, God, am, am I the outsider or or what? I don't know. Well, you know, it's like we were talking before this when we were on the way over here about a show that wanted me to come on and talk about guns, but there's going to be like a large audience and there's going to be a bunch of people on the panel and you talk for seven minutes and you go to commercial break. And I'm like, I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm not interested in doing that because I think that it's a long conversation that you have to have with someone and it takes a while for you to understand their point of view. It takes a while for them to understand your point of view. It takes a while to establish the fact that you're a very reasonable person and this is a very nuanced conversation. Yeah. Much like when that guy in France ran over a bunch of people with his truck, I don't think the truck should be outlawed. No. I think the real issue is human beings that are capable of doing horrible shit. It's Why? crazy people. Right. Why are they capable of doing yeah. that? Let's get to the bottom of that and let's yeah. stop ignoring all the factors and just concentrating only on the weapon, right? That kind of conversation is a long conversation that I yeah. think takes hours and hours and you still might not get to the bottom of it. Right. That's how I feel about like you talking to someone about hunting. Yeah. Like if you came over here, it's almost like I don't even want to tell them. Like if someone says like that you have a bow, like what's in the case? I got a bow and arrow. What do you do? Oh, I practice archery. Yeah. It's easier that way. <laughs> I like to shoot at targets. Oh, yeah. you're target shooting. Oh, that's cool. That's in the Olympics. Yep, it's in the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Except my targets, they move and they have antlers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, well, maybe, You can't tell them that. It's, I know. So I, I think I'm just like... It takes too long. Yeah, it does. But I don't know. I, don't, I think I'm... I just don't like hiding who I am, basically. Right. So I'm always... I just say, hey, this is what I do. So, I, yeah. She's like, don't tell me. I'm like, I was hunting buffalo. I'm telling you. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> They're an invasive you're, species. No, they live there. You're going to hear You're gonna hear what I was doing, whether you yeah. like it or not. Nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, well, it's kind of, kind of like with my, with my social media. I like putting up stuff that so I can weed the people out. Right. You know, like, like holding, uh, holding the buffalo head in the water. I'm like, okay, this is going to weed out some of the people who I really don't want here anyway. Right. <laughs> They're going to get mad at you for sure, but they would get mad anyway. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that listen to these conversations and they get a perspective that they would have never had. Like there's a lot of people right now that are listening, that are in their car, that are on their, you know, on the bus or whatever. And they got the headphones on. And they're thinking about this in a way that they never thought about it before because in their mind, they have, because of the fact they live in these urban environments and they've never been exposed to hunting and they get all their meat from a store or from a supermarket or from a restaurant, they, they just never heard anybody talk about it. Yeah. And this is a, it's a weird part of our life. It's a, it's a dangerous disconnect, I think, with life and death. 
The dangerous well, disconnect of restaurants and supermarkets. Well, here's here's one thing. I think people just get tuned in to what they're interested in, and that's it. I mean, even Instagram does it. So on the Explore page or whatever that mm-hmm. is, what comes up is what you look at. Yeah. So what comes up on my page is like hunting and fitness. Yeah. And that's So it's all that. So whatever you're looking at, whether it's gay guys or, or cooking – that's what's going. That's what. That's your world. So that's sort of what our world is now. Is we only we're only exposed to really what we want to be exposed to, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why I'm like, no, I'm hunting buffalo. I want that lady to be exposed to something different. Right. 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 So yeah. I. I don't know. It's just. Um, it's confirmation. I don't really know what my point is. But. Well, it's, it's, what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense is that people do, they find these communities with like-minded people and it becomes an echo chamber. Yeah. 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 And they're they're preaching into, to the choir. Yeah. And that goes all the way back to like a million hours ago, it feels like, since we've been talking about why that Netflix thing is so appealing to me and, mm. and having you involved. It's just because we've reached so many new people and hunting is so, it's so important to me. And I think, I mean... Just the just the, people can understand what motivates us and why it's important. I just want that, just want that shown right, you know, yeah. and shared right. Well, there's definitely a way to do it, and I, I don't know where we should go. I mean, whether it's um, the Buffalo place or somewhere else, but I think it's a great idea to do. You know, Steve Rinella's show net, uh, is on Netflix now, yeah, yep. and it has one star. <laughs> Does people, yeah, people are so angry. They, they find it and they fuck. You shouldn't have to eat meat. You yeah. get everything you want from celery. <laughs> yeah, people get uh, they get super super aggro. You know, you want to make people really angry. Tell uh, them tell them that there's a growing body of science that shows that plants are intelligent. Yeah, yeah. And plants and, think and they feel they they scream they and all that. Fucking freak out <laughs> yeah. like babies. Or, you, you don't even have to say that this justifies eating meat. Just yeah. put that. No. When I put that on Twitter, just the the, the, the data about yeah. that, and people will fucking go crazy and attack me for hunting. Yeah. <laughs> or if you talk about all the animals that die when their when they're salad's being made, you know? Right. I mean, so it's, you know, so yeah. it's, it's different, whatever. They, they put, they prioritize or put different importance on you know that we've talked about that too the, well they feel like they're doing a good thing and they are so. in, in many ways look if you're if you're eschewing um factory farming you're avoiding factory farming and eating more salads and eating uh f- you know uh farm to table vegetables instead you are definitely contributing to less death and suffering 100 yeah. percent. yeah but you're contributing to some yeah. You just are. If you well, eat grain, if you eat grain, you're contributing to. A, first of all, what do you care about? Do you care about insects? Like, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Because if you don't care about insects, well, then you're okay. But if you do, if you think that insects are life, well, there's pesticides. They're fucking. They're they're. It's a holocaust every day out there. Yeah. For fucking bugs. Yeah. They're spraying those goddamn things constantly. I mean, if you if you want to have a healthy crops. There's a reason why they have these pesticides. Yeah. It's because they want to kill these animals that are trying to eat the crops, kill these little bugs. Well, and and I don't know. I just keep going back to this recent trip just because I think about it. And it's just like, here's another example. So those the brown snakes up there are second most deadly. And we saw a number of brown snakes in the road while we were driving. Adam swerves around them. You to know, try to not kill them. Not kill them. He wants them to stay alive. Well, yeah. A big spider he had crawling on his face. I saw that thing. Why did he let that thing grow on his face? 
I don't know. Because he's Australian. <laughs> Just, a different but, breed of human. But not killing. Hey, so, that, is that on his Instagram? Uh, it was. Yeah, it is somewhere. See, Adam.GreenTree.BowHunting. No, he, he changed it to just Adam Greentree. <gasps> Adam.GreenTree. Why? Oh, I don't know. The bow hunting part? Yeah, I think it was too confusing. Yeah. Maybe. No, um, I don't think he's worried about that at all. I don't the know. Angry people? Boy, but, that guy seems immune to, to hate. Yeah, it's a... Uh, um, he's a great guy. He's uh, he is. but he he is sensitive too. I mean, he's it's not. That's what I'm saying. It's not like we're just clo- cold blooded killers, right? You know what I mean? There's one time we d- we didn't have an argument, but I I didn't believe him about something, and he was so upset. He's like, I he goes, I'm brutally honest, you know, and he's like mad that I didn't believe him. So it's not. It's like he's. A, a warm-hearted person. He's not just a uh, not running over snakes and it's not killing. Not a robot. No, no, no. And so people yeah. think that we're just these these cold-blooded killers out there, barbaric or whatever. No, no. I feel like, and I don't want to judge people who aren't, but I feel like we are just we understand the circle of life better. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you're definitely more accustomed to being around it. You're, yeah. you're definitely a exposed part of it to it. More. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, like I said, I, I have friends that are vegans. I know a lot of vegans. And people think that for some reason I hate vegans. I, I mock a lot of things. I make fun <laughs> of things that are that are targets. And a lot of, like, the proselytizing nature of vegans and the, the angry, self-righteous, moral high ground stance that they take, it's, it's easy to mock. It's yeah. right there. Yeah. It's, it's easy. And I think, I think... Most of the people that do it, they do it for good reasons. Most yeah. of the, 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 you know, trying the lifestyle and eating that way. Yeah. But there's also health problems with it, you know, and, and people don't like you saying that either. I know a lot of people that have tried it and they give up after a while because yeah. it, it bought up my friend Sophie from the comedy store. She just started eating eggs again. Yeah. For the longest time, she was just trying to just go straight vegan. She kept getting her blood work back, and it wasn't healthy. Or, or um, actually, she wasn't. She wasn't the blood work. Sam Harris was the blood work guy. He, yeah. he he went vegan for a while, but his blood work was all fucked up. Mm-hmm. So he started eating fish and eggs. And yeah, it's like there's people that but different bodies are more adaptable to different kinds of diets. And some people just don't do well on an all plant-based diet. And maybe they're not as disciplined as some folks. Maybe they're not doing it right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to say, but everybody's, everybody's different, but I don't think there's anything wrong with going out and killing animals and eating them. And I think that's where we differ from a lot of people that think that you should not be allowed to do that. You should not be allowed because it's barbaric I don't think it's barbaric. I think it's spiritual. And that's what, what freaks people out. They get very angry if you say that. <laughs> yeah. But they, but they wouldn't get angry if you talked about Native Americans doing it. It's very no. interesting. And, and the thing is, is like the big difference is I don't care if they don't eat meat. I don't judge them for not eating meat. But they judge us for killing. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's, it's pretty one-sided as far as they won't accept being a hunter and being self-sufficient while... Uh, any hunter I know isn't going on vegan pages and, and talking shit. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, so it's it's just weird how they're so hateful and so one side, you know, up on their soapbox. Yeah. And I don't feel like we we do that. I mean, I know there's some gonna, people do it. I know there's going to be people that say they're going to say, oh, first of all, they can say, how many times am I going to be on here? <laughs> 
as many times as he can come. <laughs> what's There's the a lot re- other podcast, folks? What's the record of the most people on here? I yeah, don't know. for the get most number of I don't know repeat guests. Somebody probably knows. Probably Joey Diaz. Callan's probably pushing. Callan, yeah, Callan. <laughs> all the all the fight companions and everything. Eddie Bravo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and then they'll say talk about more boring hunting shit. <laughs> fine i know you don't have to listen folks a lot i do a lot of podcasts i got one later today with jordan peterson i guarantee you we're not going to be talking about hunting what's that who's that he's a professor at the university of toronto he might hunt he might i don't think he does though uh he hunts liberals but he um one of the things is about um what we were talking about earlier that we were saying that people sort of find their area and it becomes like an echo chamber yeah and i think that's yeah. one of the issues with with whether it's veganism or even hunting is that I think that people, they need to be, have these dialogues with people that don't necessarily agree with them. Right. So they can find out how the other person thinks. Yep. And, you know, if you do, if you are talking to a person who's a hunter and you find out that they're actually just a cruel psychopath, like, fuck, man, I wouldn't want to hang out with that guy. Yeah. I mean, no. I've, I haven't experienced that, but I know they must be out there. Oh, yeah. So if, Probably. if, if you there, were sitting across them having There's a, freaks and everything. And everything. Yeah. <laughs> and you were having a conversation with someone like that. I mean- it it would be it would be disturbing, but I think that most people that uh, are especially people like yourself or a guy like Remy Warren mm-hmm. or Steve Rinella, very well spoken, who is also an advocate for conservation, loves wildlife. If they sat down and had a long form conversation like this with someone who's a reasonable person, who's a vegan for all the right reasons, who's a vegan because they care about life and because they they want to be cruelty-free and they want to live life with as little footprint as possible, yeah. I think they'd be surprised at how much common ground they find. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if, if anybody spent a day in the woods with Remy or Adam, they'd be shocked at how much, not hunting they know, just how much they know about the environment, yeah. about about where they're hunting, about different species, about the animals and tendencies and, and foliage. And I mean, those guys are amazing. Yeah. I and mean, I think that almost like we we're talking about, like with the Aborigines, where we're kind of losing their culture. We're losing out on an understanding of how these people lived. There's a little bit of that could be said about the, the, the culture of hunting is that yeah. if it goes away and if it w- w- there was a trend about 10 maybe 15 20 years ago where from what I've read at least obviously I'm pretty new to it I've only been hunting for 5 years but that w- they were considerably worried they were, they were really worried there was a real thought that the next few generations that hunting was going to dwindle down to such a such a low number that hunters would not have the same sort of impact in in terms of uh, politically, where they could affect the retaining of public lands, yeah, and which is a huge issue with, yeah. with, with with Americans today, and you're seeing it with this Trump administration, where you're seeing the erosion of the Environmental Protection Agency mm-hmm. and the erosion of the status, the protected status that some national monuments have and perhaps yeah. public lands have. People are super nervous, and you had a conversation, a long conversation with Jason Chavitz, yeah. Chavitz. Chavitz, how do you say Chavitz. Chavitz, yep. who had a very controversial bill that he had out that was pulled back. It was a bill to sell off public land that was pulled back because of the activism of hunters and yeah. people care. Yeah, it was a. It was what they deter. What they were gonna um, determine was disposable. 
Yeah, three million acres yeah, of disposable, disposable land. Disposable. That was that was HR six twenty one, and then there's HR six twenty two also. So there's two of them, kind of back to back, different. Six twenty two just took away the law enforcement on public lands, which and 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 they wanted to take it from the the federal government um, to and give it to the state, which people think that that's just a way where the states can say, well, we can't afford it, so we're going to have to sell this public land. Exactly. Because um, it's a resource, and, and the, states have to, the states have to balance their budget every year. Federal government doesn't. So if the state has to balance its budget and it's not penciling out and they can sell X amount of acres and that's going to help, they're going to do that. That's yeah. all there's to it. So, um, yeah, that is. Th- there's also huh? wildfire protection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean there's, fighting- there's a bunch of issues. Fighting wildfires is all, it's a federal issue. But if it's private land, if the state sells it, all that shit's gone. Yeah. There's no and, more federal protection. Yeah, and you look at, um, I don't know, it's, uh, th- that's a big one. And so sportsmen's really stepped up, and that was through social media, how they can, now we have more of a voice than we've ever had. You know, before it was, just these politicians making decisions and, you know, the little, us little people didn't really have a say. Now we have a say. I mean, Jason um, Chaffetz, you'd think, well, why would he care? You'd look at his Instagram page. He might have, you know, I don't think he has 20,000, whereas we have pretty big numbers, especially you. So if you mention something about it, he gets overwhelmed with, hey, are you looking out for us? Are you doing the right thing by us? Um, we, we won't vote you in next time. And so then it, it makes those guys think, holy shit. Well, did you see his town hall meeting? Yeah. It, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it, It's all sportsmen and sportswomen showed up and yeah. all people that care about public lands. And they went crazy. Yeah, that I, I don't. That was uh, that I kind of a go. I was, I was. Yeah, I was had mixed emo, mixed feelings on that because the yelling and stuff doesn't. It At least it sends a very clear message did, that people are upset. It doesn't accomplish much as right. far as there, but yes, yeah, it, it, it sends a message for sure. Yeah, it's a danger, um, and he's not going to be a politician anymore. No, I know he's resigning, and I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I haven't. You know, I see every once in a while he likes some of my stuff, so it's like um, I hear he's going into male prostitution. <laughs> That's what I heard. Is that true, Jamie? Can you Google that? <laughs> I just made that up. I know. Jason, if you're listening, I'm a comedian, and I'm sorry. No. Don't sue me. He he seemed like this, a super nice guy, but it's- He's and, a politician. And, and I told him, I or said, at least listen. he was. I go, listen, you're the first politician I've ever met. And and he's like, oh, you've lived a charmed life. Puzzled um, by Representative Shavit's decision to quit Congress. Well, yeah. I, I bet it's that fucking going to that town hall and having all those people screaming at him. Probably thinking, what am I doing? Well, he's, you know, like I said, he seemed nice, but maybe that politicians have to be personable. That's how yeah, they get elected. Of course. You know? You ever watch House of Cards? <laughs> no, I haven't. Good show. You should Is watch it. it. Yeah, it'll it? freak you the fuck out. If it's yeah. really like that, you should be scared. We should all be scared. So I'd like to, I'd like to learn more. I haven't, I haven't asked him, you know, what's going on or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I was, I like the fact that he at least took time out to talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just... And I'm not sure why he did, but I appreciated the fact that he did. Well, it's he's an interesting guy because he saves money for the people by sleeping in his office. He has a cot in his office that he sleeps in to yeah. save money on hotel rooms yeah. for 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 the people. So it's like yeah. it's not like he's a total piece of shit. No, you know, he's, I didn't get that feeling. But um, Ranella 
has a very bad opinion of him yeah. based on his record with uh, defending public land. Right. And Ranella thinks that he does not understand the significance of these decisions. Right. These decisions are they are a step in the wrong direction that will snowball out of control and it will eventually lead yeah. to privatizing of public lands and the yeah. loss of the access to them by the American people that you know was all set aside by Teddy Roosevelt and all those people that had such great insight right. and foresight back in the day. Yeah, and that's you know that was the worry with he, he says, well, no, I'm just taking the law enforcement away. Um, from these lands and get, or not taking it away, but giving it to the state. And like I said, with the whole budget thing, so people were thinking that when they don't have enough money, not just for the law enforcement, but for uh, enforcing illegal temp- timber harvests right. and dumping trash. Right. And so when all that happens, that that lessens the value of the land. So when the value of the land is lessened, then it's just like, okay, whatever, this is a a garbage dump anyway. Right. So it, it makes it easier. So they thought that was just a step in the transition of moving, taking that away from public land and privatizing it. So that's Ronell's opinion. And maybe, maybe it was, I yeah. don't know. Well, he seemed like Jason seemed like a very nice guy when you were interviewing him. Yeah. I don't know enough about that particular issue, but when you talk to a guy like Ronella, who is yeah. deeply invested in it yeah. and very well read on it, he uh, is of the opinion 100% that it's an incredibly negative idea. Yeah. Both HR 621, which is gone, and 622, yep. which he thinks is equally negative, and he thinks it's essentially like um, uh, a Trojan horse. Right. And that's and I told him, that's what I said, too, is I said, you know, sportsmen don't support 622 either. Do I girls mean, get mad when you call it sportsmen? Probably. Is there another word? Outdoors people? <laughs> Sports people, I'm you can't so say sports people. You're like what lacrosse players? Like, I'm what so are they? sick of that. Are you? It's because you're a man. Your male privilege is showing. Uh, Son of a bitch! I thought it was How white privilege. You. That too. Oh, you got to have it all. American privilege, white privilege, cisgender privilege, peanut butter and jelly, racist. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly is racist. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, that on. I didn't even know what that was about. All I saw was your post and the headline. I'm just like, it didn't surprise me, though. People think that peanut butter and jelly is racist. This is how deep it gets because white people eat peanut butter and jelly, whereas black people don't necessarily eat peanut butter and jelly. So to have peanut butter and jelly as a food choice in school for kids is racist because other ethnic groups don't necessarily eat peanut butter and jelly what in the fuck <laughs> well first of all who doesn't like peanut butter and jelly uh some communists i think maybe chinese folks child uh, from, molesters uh, yeah maybe, hunters. Uh, hunters probably don't yeah that guy from that movie <laughs> that molested yeah. that girl um yeah who north koreans maybe? maybe maybe the most evil ones maybe they don't like peanut butter and jelly probably oh, fuck no i don't it's, know it's ridiculous that's it's delicious just, food just, choice people are just working too hard to be offended so that's you're exactly 100 percent correct <laughs> right there people are working too hard to be offended yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of folks out there that are just looking for something to get t- ticked off at it's uh it's too easy. It's too easy to get by. You know, and I think that's also something that happens when life is too fucking easy. Yeah. There's not enough struggle. Yeah. We were talking about kids and about yeah. putting your kids through difficult things so they understand accomplishing goals and they understand how things aren't easy. You have to yeah. struggle through stuff uh-huh. and how it's hard today because yeah. 
you know, you're doing well. I'm doing well. Our kids are fine. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have to worry about where food's coming from. No. It's going to be there. You open the fridge. There's the food. Yeah. You know, like, so yeah. you have to figure out, like, okay, how do you get this kid to understand and appreciate the value of a difficult task, overcoming that difficult task, yeah. and feeling that good feeling that you have of building character and of and knowing, yeah, I can push through something like you had to do during that tough hunt. Very difficult. Questioning yourself. Then finally success. And then you have that good feeling, the good feeling of success and of accomplishment and of realizing that you will fight those demons in your mind and that you will stay the course and keep hammering, as it were, and get through on the other end with success. And you've done it before. And even though you've been doing it for fucking decades, those questions still come to your mind. That's, that's, and that for me personally, that's why I work as hard as I do, just because you get wake up calls like that and you're just like, okay. I got to be on my A game. Well, it's one of the reasons why I like doing really difficult things, which leads me to what you've got me into is running. Yeah. I've been fucking running lately. I run all the time now, man. <laughs> I run fucking hills. It's crazy. I run hills. I put a backpack on with a weight plate on. I fucking walk hills. I'm like, what am I doing? So how often are you running? Several days a week. Really? Yeah. Depending on whether it, or not I'm home. Like and, that route that we did? Yep. Yep. Okay. I do that route, and I also do that steep hill near my house. Yeah. I do that. There's a couple different routes that I go. How is it? I mean, is it easier than- Easier, the- but it still sucks a fat dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was about to say. That's it's like- That's it's, running. Hey, that could be a shirt. Running sucks a fat dick. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Whoops. It's, 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 it's definitely slightly easier. Yeah. But- you, you remember that fucking steep, steep hill. Once you get to the bottom yeah. and then you go back up. That's that, awesome. That's, it is awesome. But it is always hard. Yeah, There's no, it's never sure. easy. Yeah. When I'm getting to the top of that thing, but I can make it all the way up to the top now. I don't can have to you? stop. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I can make it oh, all the way up to the good. top. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. It's fucking brutal. But yeah. I, I made sure that I could get there. Fuck, it's hard. And, but you, you did mention that it has helped your cardio and oh, other things. Oh, dude. Well, that's one thing that I noticed. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, kickbox for a couple of weeks because I'd been too busy doing other stuff. And I wanted to keep with the running because I was getting some accomplishment. I was getting some um, um, progress out of it. I was seeing progress. And then uh, I started uh, going back into some of my other workouts. It didn't affect my weightlifting at all, my kettlebell, kettlebell workouts at all. Yeah. But, man, kickboxing, it really affected it. Yeah. It affected it in a real positive way because I'm doing all hills. Yeah. So I'm basically sprinting a lot. Yeah. And Your heart rate's jacked. Just spiked. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I was uh, I was doing rounds on the bag the other day, I was like, Jesus, I got a lot of wind. Yeah. This is kind of crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like deep into like the third and fourth round and I was still slamming the bag and I was like, this is weird. Yeah. Like I've got like an extra gear here. Did uh, Have you dropped any weight? Yeah. I've dropped a few pounds. I'm yeah. probably like... Somewhere between 194 and 196, where I was, yeah. uh, I was hovering around 200. But I've dropped down before just yeah. by my diet, yeah. which got shitty again. Got <sighs> shitty again when I went to Mexico. I gained like eight pounds in a week in Mexico. Yeah. Beer and Mexican food. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good for weight control? That's weird. It's definitely not. Sure well, tastes yeah. good, though. Yeah, well, I haven't been doing jujitsu very much. Uh-oh. When I do jujitsu a lot, I fucking the weight just flies off. Really? I can eat anything. I can Uh-oh. eat. A, I can eat a horse, <laughs> but it's uh, jujitsu is just so calorie intensive. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. the way it burns. Just it yeah, out. you just, just fighting for your life. Well, what's you know? what's your running goal? 
Um, I don't have a running goal. I just I'm definitely going to keep doing it and keep getting in better shape. Yeah. And then if something, if I decide, okay, I need something to strive for. Yeah. Then uh, here's my goal. Okay. I'm gonna do the keep hammering 5K next year and fucking kick ass at it. There you go. Instead of this year when I did it, where I was like, oh Jesus. This is hard. Well, zero running. How about this guy? Almost 25 seconds short God. of the two-hour marathon barrier. So crazy. He, he did break the world record, though. He That's broke so the fast. new world record two hours and 20 seconds, 25 seconds, I believe it was. So he was only 25 seconds short of breaking what people think is this unattainable record. That's insane. He'll break it or someone like somebody, him will break oh, it. Oh, somebody will. Yeah. But For it's sure. so close. So maybe, Nike is apparently like... Maybe you will. Invest, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not built like that guy. No. They're all built the same way. I know. They're all built like popsicle sticks. It was super humid when he was running this too. It was like 70% humidity, which isn't like really? ideal. No, so it's like that's breathing high. hot water. Almost. That's high. Yeah. Well, that probably could have been the 20 seconds, right? Oh, for sure. Been, yeah. Maybe they could do that in Seattle in the winter. I, the course he was running on is in Milan, I guess. There's an article I just read yesterday. I think yeah. it was on TechCrunch maybe or Wired. Somebody... Uh, like a writer for there was trying to break a half marathon and he wanted to see if he could break a 90 minute mar- or a half marathon. And it's his first time running on that course and he broke it by like two and a half minutes. Oh, so that there's something special about that course too. Hmm. Okay. It's like a mile and a half track. I don't know why you'd be able to run faster necessarily there, but yeah, uh, huh. you can. Huh. And those shoes they made too are what is it? What's special. the deal with the shoes? Something special, super special training. I don't know exactly. You can't buy him yet. You can like only win him off a raffle. For Maybe now. if he had Under Armour, he would have won. <laughs> That's it. Maybe. Huh. Yeah, that could have been those the Keep difference. hammering shoes. <laughs> if you had the Under Armour Keep hammering shoes that you could get at UnderArmour.com. Can you get your Keep hammering uh, shoes? Can not, you buy them anywhere? I don't think so. What the fuck, Under Armour? Get on the ball. You can, and you can't buy my, my three-button <sighs> shirt I always wear either. Yeah, well, that's a rare thing, a shirt with buttons. You should keep that away from the public. <laughs> no, Super but important. We are, we are ha- I don't know when it's going to be released, but the Cameron Haynes line is coming out. Yeah, the Cameron Haynes Under Armour UA Hunt line, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah awesome. So, and you're going to have a say in how oh, it's yeah. designed? Oh, and- yeah. It's awesome. It's The boots are amazing. Yeah? Yeah. Beautiful. The boots, uh, camo shorts, uh, pants, um base layer hoodie jacket it's killer and when is this all this stuff you don't know when it's coming out no i don't know no, it's, but they're in the in development stage right now yeah i think they they texted me when i was in australia and said they have samples in for me so. well it was awesome when you took over the ua hunt page on instagram you're gonna do more of that now right because i talked to brian off it we're gonna <laughs> brian we're gonna get on the ball with this <laughs> Yeah, I mean, w- when I took it over, the week that I took over, there was – so if you look at impressions on Instagram, it went up $3 million. Well, That seems like a good thing, Brian. Isn't it? Are we wait- we're waiting for a response? Looking at, him. Looking at Brian oh, Offit. Here? Looking at him in the camera. Brian, what's up? You can look at him up there. Oh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no. I'll, and when Adam took it over, when we were on that Australia hunt, it, it went up like – they went from – what was it? Uh, 493,000 to 502,000 followers. So pretty good jump. Yeah, that's a good jump. Yeah, yeah. I, I posted it on Instagram too. Yeah, and it's just a matter of putting out interesting content. Yeah. 
Well, cool that's stuff. what I was saying. Like the Instagram story was nice, but I would have really loved it if you guys were stream. If there was a way to stream like more often, like yeah. if you had like very specific moments where you're streaming. Yeah. And I think that as technology advances, especially, did you see what uh, Elon Musk is trying to do? He's trying to fill the world with one gigabyte internet. What he's oh. going to do is launch satellites into the air. That's going to allow people to have one gigabyte is fucking insanely yeah. fast. Yeah. And if that happens, you can stream live from anywhere. But say goodbye to privacy, by the way. There's going to be drones f- filming people fucking yeah. right outside their window. It's going to get really crazy. But <laughs> Live. But what's going to be interesting is you can be in a place like where you were. Yeah. And you could you know, call people from your phone. You could yeah. film things. You could stream live. And all that stuff would be available, and you would have real internet access in the in the bush. And and that's what people people like. That I mean, they're already asking, "When's the film coming out?" You right. know, we we filmed this. Mark Womack, his company Sub Seven, filmed it for Under Armour, and we're like, "We got to turn this thing around fast." And I saw Under Armour put out this can come out in the fall. I'm Fuck like, that fall. Under Armour bullshit. <laughs> Listen, let's get it's this out. Fucking May. No, people. Okay, people like. I mean, the, chop pe- chop. People don't have patience anymore. I don't have patience. Anymore. I, I don't either. I would like you to finish the sentence quicker, please. <laughs> I t- I saw uh, <laughs> I saw Mark Womack. We got off the plane together in in L.A. here, and I'm like, "Hey, you get that movie done or what?" He's, <laughs> he's <laughs> on the plane. Yeah, he said he was working. He had been editing, so I'm like, "All right, let's get that thing posted." So I I don't know. I mean, people are primed for it right now. They followed along and and are super invested in it, and it'd be it'd be awesome to get it out. Quick, listen, but listen, I'm your manager now, so I'm going to make some calls. We've already decided we're going to make things happen quicker. Yeah. You got me running. You got me doing a lot of shit, dude. You got me doing a lot of things that I didn't think I'd be doing. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, I owe you. Well, good. So I'm going to make some calls. I owe you, too, for for giving me this to talk about platforms. Well, listen, I really do think that it's made a big impact. And I think you and Ranella and Remy Warren and Adam and the people that I've had on it and Jim Shockey and, you know real representatives of the noble pursuit the the real the the real like hardcore enthusiasts that truly have a deep yeah. love of nature and they're giving these people this this platform and giving these people this this way to communicate these ideas i think the the millions and millions of people that have listened to you guys it's changed perception and i yeah. think that that perception is there's a ripple effect and that perception is going to lead people to maybe read your book um, yeah. or, you know, read maybe Ranella's book, Meat Eater, or maybe listen to some of these books on tape or maybe, you know, look into Aldo Leopold or look into some of these people that yeah. have really been these huge figures in conservation and of the love of wildlife and hunting. And they'll get a different understanding of it than people have had. Because of movies like that split movie where the hunters are pers- yeah. portrayed as a child molester. Well, it's like right now, you know, they you said hunting was dying, or you know that was time. that was the fear, and yeah. now they're like, and my Instagram page is twenty year old guys, yeah, you know, that are are into it and are are buying bows, and the bow rack back home is packed, and you know, Eva Shockey and I will do appearances, and we have a line that goes for hours. You know, young girls waiting for her because she's a hunter, you know, and yeah. her book coming out, Taking Aim, is about that lifestyle. So, I mean, I feel like we're sort of turning the corner maybe a little bit. And so we just keep that momentum going. I think for sure it's turning the corner. I mean, as far as the, what I see in the, the communication that I get with people online, mm-hmm. I mean, the bow rack, is it, are they experiencing an up jump in sales? Yeah, I mean... Th- 
Wayne, yeah, I mean, Wayne, the other day, like, I can't even remember what day it was, but he sold something like 40 bows. In a day. In a day. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. like, for folks that don't know, that's like $50,000 plus in bows in a day. And bows are a specialized thing. It's not... It's not something that people, you know, it's, it's a very, there's a steep learning curve to get involved. You know, like we were talking about it, about if there was a Hoyt Academy yeah. in California, if there's a place to go, there's not a whole lot of places to go. Like when you took Scott Eastwood, you went to that place down in Riverside, yeah, Riverside, Riverside Archery, yep. is that what it was? Yep. There's a few great places like that, Yeah. but there's 30 million people here and there might be five of those spots. Yeah. You know, I would love it if Hoyt had a place where ideally they had more than one place, you know, where people could go and you would get fitted. They would find out what's your proper draw length, you know, what, how, you know, what weight should you start at? What, you know, weight arrows should you start at? Someone could teach you how, what the proper form is, how to release an arrow correctly and really understand just, I mean, even if someone never wants to hunt. Just understand the the meditative and beautiful effect of just launching an arrow at a target and have it hit that X. The witchery of archery. Witchery? Yeah. Is it witchery? That's a book. Oh, really? Or the witchcraft of archery. Oh. Or Zen and the Art of Archery is a great I book I think as that's well. a book. The witchcraft of archery. Can is you it? look that up? Mm. I'm almost positive I read it. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, come on. Help me out. You're leaving me hanging. I, I definitely, the witchcraft of archery. Is it? No. Uh, yes. Nope. Yes. Come on. It's probably uh, only one copy. <laughs> Guy handed it to I'm going to look it up. I wrote this. Oh, you don't believe him. Wow. The it's, witchcraft of archery. Here we go. Witchcraft of archery. Witchcraft plus archery. Mm, um, classes, books. Well, it's not looking good, Archery, is it? witchcraft, page, pagan, witch, sports Wait, and the witch, wrote spell of, work. Oh, no. Mm. Um, nope, not looking good. <laughs> not looking good. <laughs> the witchcraft of archers, according I to the I famous. I read something like that. Mm. All right. Interesting. Okay, just can we edit this part out? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. The sorcery of archery. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, fu- it's a beautiful discipline. I mean, even if yeah. someone never chooses. And honestly, if you really want to get into hunting, just straight up hunting, you probably just start with a rifle anyway. It's a yeah. far easier way to do it. No. No. Don't say that. Or wear earplugs if you do do it. <laughs> you don't want to blow your ears out. Yeah, for That's sure. A, another problem that I'm running into is a lot of people who have been hunting for a good portion of, portion of their life yeah. have bad hearing. I know. My ears ring all the time from when I rifle hunted. That's crazy. When I was just a kid, because I used to go shoot my 300 Winchester Magnum up at the rock pit. Boom. Boom. I mean, this thing was so loud, and I used to love shooting. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're a pussy if you were. I mean, nobody wore hearing, hearing protection. Isn't that crazy? It was just like nobody wore bike helmets either. You know what I mean? Right. So it was the same type of thing, but now my ears just ring. So. All the time? Yeah, all the time. That, that shows your taste in music. That's why. Why? Do I listen to some of your Instagram stories? Listen to the music you're listening to. Like, Jesus Christ. No, that's oh, his good ears music. ears are ringing. When your ears oh, are ringing, like, it like... sounds better. <laughs> 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 what, the country or the, no, rap, the rap or what? Some of the rap you oh. listened to. No, the I'm rap like... is good. Me, me and Adam listened. We drove, drove to Sydney for two hours, and I think we listened to uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, his new song, like, probably 20 times wow in a row <laughs> yes 
Did you guys like sing the words along and like look sort out the window? If, we still don't really know. Words? Did you say sing along with the N word, or do you guys get silent during that part? <laughs> it's just kind of. <laughs> duh, 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 duh. <laughs> That is a funny thing, man, with white people. Like, what are we supposed to do? What what are we supposed to do when it gets to that part of the song? I know. It's called Be Humble. Oh, Be Humble. That's a song. No, that's a song. Oh. Be Humble. And then Be Humble, too, when the the N-word comes up. Just (laughs) realize. Yeah, it's actually Be Humble, Bitch, Be Humble. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. It's a good one. That's a mixed message. Do you know that one, Jamie? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you how they like that new album down in Australia. With the Kendrick Lamar? Yeah, Kendrick, yeah. Yeah. Adam Did he liked, know about it until you brought it up to him? Well, no, he made fun of me always putting my Insta, my music on the Insta story. That you but, use rap a lot? No. You like but, a lot of rap, though. Yeah, and country. That's yeah. kind of what I listen to. But then he had this song, and I'm like, okay, hey, where the hell do you think you learned this song from? From me. Right, and what did he say? <laughs> I don't know. Made something up. Yeah. Probably, probably lied. Are there any Australian rappers? I think there are. I, not not that anybody knows, but I, I remember they had we had the radio on down there, mm-hmm. and they there was some rap on there that I had no idea what it was. So it has to be from there. Mm. Well, there's so many different rappers now, though. There's no way you could know all the stuff. It's like we've reached a weird saturation point with music where there is no god. I mean, every year they're coming out with new music. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you get used to the certain sounds or right. certain styles and this was like something i had never i've I've listened to a lot i was in brazil you were in brazil with me yeah uh but one time when i was in brazil i was listening to some rap music some brazilian rap i was like this is badass yeah i hope what they're saying isn't stupid because it's i don't understand <laughs> portuguese good. but it sounds badass yeah. yeah it's a great i think it would be great to work out to yeah if you don't know what it's not as distracting right you know, like if their lyrics are corny yeah yeah i don't know i don't know but I think there is Australian rap, but it's not Kendrick Lamar. Be humble. Iggy, Iggy Azalea is the oh right now. Most yeah, famous one, but, but Iggy Azalea, she's, she's from there. She's from Australia. Yeah. Oh, she's white, white privilege. Don't they <laughs> oh. have any black people over there? They do, right? But expats, American expats, sneak over there. That would, yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Okay. Hmm. That's one of the few places I would live outside of America. Yeah. Like if the shit hit the fan. That's nice there. Canada and Australia. Those are my spots. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, Sydney traffic is ridiculous, You know why? They fucking drive on the wrong side of the road. They're all confused. Yeah, They're over on the left. Like, what are you doing over here? (laughs) Go over there. Go over there. Let's switch this around. Everybody. That's probably why it's all messed up. Yeah. Like, look, the roads are in place. Everything. They got roads in the right spot. Yeah. Drive on the other side. Yeah. Simple fix. Yeah. Simple fix. (laughs) How is Sydney so traffic-filled? I mean, how many people live in Sydney? Five million. Whoa. That's crazy. Yep. Five million. That's crazy. No, Wait, it took- Okay, think of that, because there's 30 million people in all of Australia, yeah. right? Or is it less? I think it's a little less. Probably less. Okay, let's say it's 20 million. So it's that would be like if there was 75 million in Los Angeles. Yeah, that more, percentage of more the than that. Yeah, it'd be more. It'd be like eighty million, like There's eighty a- million people just in Los Angeles. Yeah, <gasps> There's only like, like a few big cities. I mean, like Melbourne, or I probably said it wrong. Twenty three point seven oh, yeah. eight million in all and, of Australia, and five are in Sydney. Jesus Christ, yeah. that's crazy. Twenty five percent of the entire population. It's yeah. a beautiful city, though. I love it. Sydney's really awesome. Yeah, 
No, it's great. It's just we were going to go to the bow shop, and I said, you know, I go to the bow shops in Sydney, right? He's like, yeah. I said, how long is it going to take to get there? So we did it on the map quest thing or whatever. An hour. That's like I said. This is like L.A. This sucks. An hour. <laughs> it's in the same city. I didn't expect that. Well, you know, up there. there in Eugene, everything is fine. You don't it's, have to worry about shit up there. You got two lane roads. And yeah. There's no cars. If you don't make it through one traffic light cycle, you're like, what the hell is going I gotta on? Gotta wait. This is bullshit. Yeah. Well, you get used to a place like that, man. You know, and life is nice and calm, and it feels different. Like life feels different in a small town. It's like there's a. I feel like this is some woo woo spiritual bullshit that I have no uh, no science behind whatsoever. Okay. But I feel like people give off energy, and I feel like cities, whether or not something's happening or not, the amount of humans in there, there's a certain amount of energy that you feel. And when you're in a smaller town, you're calmer. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah. I feel like there's less. And I don't think it's just the activity, just just cars. And I think it's the actual amount of humans in an area. Like there's some sort of a psychic energy that they give off. You're not buying Maybe. it. I don't know. Jamie's not buying it either. But Maybe the witchery of archery. Ha ha. Maurice Thompson. I knew it. I have Ha-ha! that book. 1878. Wow. See? What is witchery? Is that a real word? I told you. I was right. You Thank were you. right. I'm redeemed. Five out of five stars in Barnes and Noble. It's, ba- it's a good book. Wow. So it's in Barnes and Noble? Yes. Um, can I get it on a Kindle? Find out if I can get it on a Kindle. Mm. Yeah. Witchery of archery. Speaking of a whole different, um, I don't know what you just said, but I'm gonna be <laughs> in, I'll be in my cubicle tomorrow. No, you won't. You got to quit that job, dude. Today? Yeah. Should I just call right now? Let me call for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're my manager. Yeah, I'm your manager. Kindle. Nice. Five ninety I'm getting it. Thank you. Thank you, young Jamie. The witchery <laughs> of archery. And if uh, my fucking Kindle and I try to enter it in, it's like, nope, nothing exists. I'm like, listen, bitch. <laughs> I've already gone through this. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy that you keep a full-time job. It's just, uh, I don't understand how you do it. And that's also what a lot of people that get involved in hunting, the amount of time that it takes. Like, people don't have the time. Like I was, I was listening to Jason Carter on some podcast. He was talking about pursuing one individual buck for like two weeks. Yeah, and I was like, who the fuck has two weeks yeah. to go after one animal? Yeah, like this is tough. crazy. Who's yeah. got that kind of time? Only like a real, like four, crazy four people pro type character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, it, it it takes time. I mean, it's just even just the dedication to to regular practice takes time for archery. That's the next level. There's not, I mean, archery is, uh, it's, it really is, in terms of hunting, it really is the ultimate pursuit, the ultimate in difficulty. But that's mm-hmm. why I stop at the compound thing. People are like, you got to try traditional archery. Yeah. Compound archery is for pussies. Settle down. Yeah. Enough is enough. How about kill it with a rock? How about you kill it with a rock like a cave person did? I why was, are you wearing shoes, pussy? I was cave people didn't wear shoes. I was wondering. Yeah, I know. I was wondering how anybody would kill with a recurve where I was hunting because I said my 245 feet per second bow was slow. Right. That'd be super fast for a traditional bow. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I could imagine with those deer, they'd just, I don't know. It'd well, be it very like a, tough. Very tough. The area Out of that, that tree, you, you probably could. Oh, well, they tree. wouldn't know you were there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it sounds like the area you were in, they were very unnaturally hyped up. Like yeah. they were unnaturally wired because they've been hunted by so many people. I think they're just normally wired, but when people kill them is when they're rutting. 
Um, you know, and so right. they're distracted because they're, it's a breeding season. Yeah. So this is post rut. Those bucks are not even with does at all. And they're, you know, just, just tuned in. Yeah. But during the rut, it would, it would be easier. Just be like hunting elk during the rut as opposed to not. Or hunting a dude at a club with a boner. <laughs> yeah. Right. People get distracted. I've never hunted a dude with a boner. <clears throat> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I was wondering. <laughs> I have questions. Sometimes I get a, I beat around the bush to get to the answer. Oh, I got so I, I, was, I got what you're yeah. doing right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a, a, a this this it's funny how these different animals have like different seasons that they come into like the idea that only one time a year they breed. Like they're a mammal. Yeah. It's not like a dog. Like dogs want to fuck all the time. Yeah. But like deer, one time a year, yeah. everything starts popping. Nature says, listen, this is how it works. You want to have a baby in the spring. So a way to do this. You got to do it in the fall. Yeah. Okay. In the fall, you got to get cracking. And then she's got to take some time to cook up that baby and drop yeah. that baby in the spring. And Life's then, good. But it's b- bizarre. Yeah. We, there's actually some bucks that were, they call it croaking, which is grunting because um, they weren't really the full rut, but some does that didn't get bred the first season. If, if they don't get bred, they come back into heat. Oh. So some, they, we call them second cycle does. They were coming in. So the bucks, I mean, they'll, they'll do it whenever. They just got to wait for the female. Right. So the bucks were actually still sort of rutting a little bit. We heard some croaking. So but that just was just for a, a full on. No, that's just a few does that hadn't been bred. Well, that's one of the coolest things about elk hunting. There's nothing like the rut. When you hear elk screaming, like... If the people have never experienced that before, even if you have no desire to hunt, please go to a place where elk live during the rut just to hear it. Because oh, it is so wild. Yeah. They're so loud. And the sound sounds like something from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It doesn't even seem real. And you're going to be in Utah this year. Oh, yeah. Remember that? We're going to Utah. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to film some stuff there. Yeah. We're definitely going to film some stuff. We'll do some Instagram stories. We'll, yeah. We'll... We'll definitely get some footage, and we're definitely. I mean, we got some footage from last year when you and I were in Tahone Ranch. That I put yeah. up on Instagram some elk screaming. But oh, we were yeah. pretty far away; yeah, we were a couple we were. hundred yards away, and it's wide open. Yeah. Whereas Utah is a little bit more wooded, and we'll, we'll try to get a little bit closer. Yeah, those bulls will be coming close. I'm very excited. Oh, I can't wait either. I can't wait just to see you. Um, I can't and wait. That, yeah. Yeah, I mean, thanks for introducing me to this man. It's changed my life, it really has. Well, it's been been great to share it with you, and and it's been great to have you on to share it with other people, and just share not just that, but your entire disciplined approach to this whole lifestyle that you live. I think it's very inspiring to people. I think it's very important, and uh, you're a, you're a shining beacon out there, Cameron Haynes. <laughs> so keep. Um. Keep hammering, as it were. And your podcast, Keep Hammering. We've got a new episode that you just gave to Jamie, so yeah. it'll be up today. Jamie's going to post it today. Young Jamie's on the ball. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back at 1.30 p.m. with Jordan Peterson, and uh, I'm fixing to go check out the new studio. We gotta, we're got signing a lease today, folks. It's popping. <laughs> we're very excited. I'm going to show Cam, too. Sweet. All right, we'll be back soon, and uh, so, uh, yeah, that's it. See you soon. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to Caveman Coffee for fueling us through this extravaganza. Go to cavemancoffee.com, use the code word Rogan, and you'll save 10%. Thank you to Onnit. Go to O-N-N-I-T, use the code word Rogan, and save 10% off any and all supplements. 
Thank you to Squarespace. You can make a motherfucking awesome website with Squarespace. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, visit squarespace.com forward slash Joe. And thank you to 1-800-Flowers. You can get 24 multicolored roses for your mama or your wife or your whoever, your sister. 24 multicolored roses for only 24 bucks, but it expires on Friday. You've got to order by Friday. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, and enter the code word J-R-E. And that's it. We're done. We're done for this episode. Thank you so much. Uh, we got a double header today, ladies and gentlemen. And after this one is the great Jordan Peterson. So, we'll see you then. Bye. Mwah. <laughs>